Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by friend of the show, Luke Slaybaugh, who's now working for the Naval Academy, the uh, Naval Athletic Department. He'll join us, and uh, we'll get his perspective on uh, what it's like working uh, with the Navy and uh, also on conference realignment and how the American Athletic Conference is affected. We'll also... Uh, talk some college football and some NFL when a little joint is coming up later on in the show. Coach Bo is going to be here for the football fix with uh, our weekly picks against the spread and the top headlines uh, going on in the NFL and in college football. We'll have our Big 12 breakdown coming up. Also, our Tom Fullery story of the week later on in the show. But joining me as always, San Antonio's newest resident, Thomas Bridges, is uh, here. And Tom? Uh, I would like to be the first to officially welcome you to the uh, great state of Texas. Uh, Oklahoma's loss is a Texas's game. Well, I'm definitely glad to be here. Um, you know, it's uh, it's about the the traffic is a little bit um, a little bit I'd say a little bit uh, not a little bit worse than Tulsa, but a lot worse. So I'm getting used to that. Um, for sure getting used to that, but it's been good so far. My drive to work is about 25 minutes average there there and back. It's not really that bad considering all things, um, you know, it could be a lot worse. Um, and I used to drive from Bartlesville to Tulsa every day, which is over an hour. So I can't really complain all that much. Uh, job is super sick and was not aware I won't say where I'm working at, but they do have a 10% share of the San Antonio Spurs. So that's pretty cool. And so they you have, basically own the Spurs now. Uh, I, mean, I wish. Maybe like a point zero 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 one percent if it's employee-owned type thing. But um, they do in the gym at where I work, they do – being a 10% owner of the Spurs. They do have all five championship rings in a glass case uh, at the entrance to the gym, and they have a lot of Spurs memorabilia signed by Duncan Pop, Ginobili, Robinson, Sean Elliott, Parker, all those people. Super cool. Uh, when I walked in the first day, they had – I could see the, the entrance to the gym, and I didn't even know it was the gym. I thought it was like a conference room or something at first, by the way. It looked from my vantage point. And uh, all it was was just a – I could just see a big Spurs logo. And I was like, well, I think this is going to work out pretty well. So, um, super, super dope so far. It's uh, It's been good. I haven't really got out to explore. Um, I haven't got Taco Cabana yet. Um, I haven't had any breakfast tacos yet. They have Taco Cabana uh, in Tulsa. Like, you've had chances. I don't think they have a Taco Cabana in Tulsa. I've had Taco Cabana in Tulsa. No, well, difference is the Taco Cabanas here have breakfast tacos. They have breakfast tacos at the Taco Cabanas in Tulsa. Not the, It's not the same. and you. Can, it literally is the same, but carry on. It's not the same. It's not the same people cooking it. Um, <laughs> it but... The difference is you can get you just drive through and you can order margaritas to go. Yes, we do have that in Texas. We have alcohol to go uh, in in Texas. 
And you, uh, you can't just drive through a McDonald's and get, you know, a, a Jack and Coke. Now, I would say a McDonald's, if they could do like a whiskey and Coke, McDonald's Coke is the top tier Coke that you can get. And and, and Coke from, from McDonald's with whiskey in it would be would be top tier. Now it, it would be it would be the best. I don't know if you have a Taco Bell cantina in San Antonio, but it'd be a sin if they didn't. The one I went to in Wrigleyville in Chicago, that was that was S tier pre gaming right there because you got to get the Baja Blast with the Jack Daniels in it, and my life was changed. Oh, do they have a they have Jack Daniels with? You could Bob do blast. You could choose Jack. You could uh, uh, you could go vodka. Uh, they had like several different options to put in your Baja Blast. It is very interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would. They really need, and I'm sure they have this. They need to come up with a like a frozen one. It was frozen. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yes. Oh, that's dangerous. Oh yes. Oh yes, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I'm glad that uh, you're you're a Texan now that, that you've made your way here. Um, I spent my weekend speaking of Texas at a Texas Motor Speedway. Tom, uh, you'll like this. You mentioned margaritas. Uh, I uh, this weekend, Tom, I had probably the best menu that I could have ever asked for for free. Like, I probably had about four or five margaritas. Uh, you know, a couple of blue moons, and then for dinner on Saturday night, I had steak, uh, I had uh, crab. Uh, I also this at the racetrack at the racetrack, shrimp boil. Um, let's see, what else? Salmon, um, and uh, let's see, cheesecakes. Uh, it was it was one of the best free meals I think I've ever had. Yeah, that's pretty legit. I mean, um, you know, I will say I did see some of your videos. That might be the sickest, dopest, most badass color scheme that I've seen David Starr rock on his car. The the white car with the uh, it was very clean. Yeah, it looked clean. It was. I mean, it was nice. Um, I will always be partial to the Whataburger car. Uh, True, fair. That's my favorite, but the the white car like had a clean look to it this week. Uh, and he had a pretty good run, so we were happy for David with uh, his performance this weekend. He was all in good mo- good spirits and everything, so that was good. Uh, bring bring the stormtrooper car back. Yeah, yeah. Tom, I, I know that we don't usually talk much NBA this time of year. This is primarily a football show when it comes to the month of September, but I had to make an exception for this big trade. Damian Lillard uh, wanted to go to the Miami Heat, ultimately ends up with the Milwaukee Bucks, which is about as opposite as you can get from the Miami Heat, um, joining Giannis up there. And, I mean – For me, Tom, it's two things. It's a big loss for the Miami Heat. How did Pat Riley not get the player that wanted to be there that would have fulfilled exactly what that team needed? But then twofold, the Milwaukee Bucks now get Dame and you pair him up with 
uh, there with Giannis. I mean, they got to be the favorites in the East, maybe in the entire NBA here. And, you know, as long as uh, Dame wants to be there and, you know, they can commit him to fulfill his contract and everything there, watch out. The, the Bucs are going to be uh, very, very good again. He, he and Giannis, it's going to be a hell of a duo. Oh, I mean, yeah, and I feel like their play styles are going to work so well uh, together. And, and they were not a player that I had considered before. And, uh, you know, the Blazers, I thought, got a great haul. You know, they get Drew Holiday, who seems like he's going to be end up traded, which is fine. Um, they do get DeAndre Ayton. They only so got, like, that- one first-round pick out of it, though. I mean, you get DeAndre, like, what were they going to get from the Heat? Probably just one first-round pick and and uh, Tyler Hero. I think for them, they send uh, Nurkic to the Suns, which Nurkic at first sounded pretty good in, in Portland, didn't really work out. You send DeAndre Ayton up to Portland, who maybe he needs a fresh start. Um, not the worst, not the best, but I think, Aiton could work out very well, or you know he could work out very well. But his his beard and his body type does remind me of Greg Oden, uh, just a little bit. And, and they weren't but, very happy with uh, DeAndre Aiton in Phoenix these days. No, and you know he signed a new contract after it seemed like he was going to get moved and sign that offer sheet with the Pacers, and the Suns end up matching. Um, you know I think it's a good move for them and. Uh, I think Grayson Allen also goes to the Trailblazers. They got a decent haul for all things considered because it was did seem like Lillard was going to hold out. I heard rumors of him, Lillard, maybe going to the Raptors in the heat. And so when I heard that, you know, the Bucks had made that trade, it was pretty surprising. Something to consider, though, too, Jones, we've, we've heard – uh, maybe not, I wouldn't call it rumors, but inklings of Giannis saying that, you know, kind of, kind of hinting at if the Bucks don't make the necessary trades to keep us a contender that I want to keep winning and, and, you know, maybe always love Milwaukee, but, you know, I'm putting filler, feelers out. I think this is a good move for um, not only for Damon and Lillard, I think he's going to end up being better in a better position in Milwaukee than in Miami. Um, but good for Giannis too. And, and, you know, good for the city of, uh, Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin. I, are they not immediate favorites? You'd have to think so. I don't know how they wouldn't be favorites, uh, at this point. Uh, you know, the, you still have Chris Middleton, right? Right. You still got a really good team. And you got a Celtics team that doesn't know how to win. You're better than the Heat. The 76ers, kind of like the Celtics, don't know how to win. I and mean they're dysfunctional. Right. This is this is the box to lose. Um as far as the Heat go, real quick, not getting Damian Lillard here, uh, when they had every opportunity to do so, and you know, it was clear. In that NBA Finals against the Nuggets, they were so overmatched. I mean, how how did they not pull this off? I, I know that it it sounded like that the uh, 
Blazers were not interested in doing business with the Heat. Uh, maybe they didn't necessarily have the assets. You know, Tyler Hero was talked about, whatever. But uh, th- this feels kind of personal for him not going to Miami. And, you know, the the player empowerment era, uh, I think, took a big hit here. I mean, you're going to see more guys want those uh, no-trade clause contracts uh, to have control where they want to go. Otherwise, they could be like Damian Lillard and not get to choose where they want to. And, and personally, I, I'm okay with that uh, happening, uh, of him getting sent to Milwaukee here. More more, more power to the Blazers for not sending him to where he wanted to go uh, in Miami. I have no problem with it at all. Right. Well, and to be fair, I mean, I did – and. I don't like the, you know, you're going to trade me to wherever I want, even though I signed a contract. Uh, he's essentially tried to pull a Kawhi Leonard of sorts. Um, and, you know, Kawhi ended up where he wanted to be kind of anyway with Paul George when we heard all that um, tampering stuff. And then you obviously heard Jimmy Butler being butthurt and saying, yeah, you all better look into the Bucks. This is some tampering shit and, all that other stuff. And it's like, like, stop. Like, obviously you guys wanted them, but at the same time, the Heat weren't prepared. You know, they they got a little spoiled. They were the preferred destination, but they weren't even prepared to send even half of what Damian Lillard was worth. They thought they just had it in the bag. So fuck Miami. Uh-huh. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know. It's come back to bite you in the ass. You didn't want to even give up half of what Damian Lillard was worth and and make a somewhat half-assed fair trade. You just thought you were going to get him for free. Um, so yeah, more power. I hope the I hope the Bucks end up beating the Miami Heat in the first round, just because some of these teams that allow that to happen, uh, you know. A, a lot of the times it ends up coming to bite them in the ass. If you know, it's, it's every much, it's every bit the players that are doing this, like force their way out to whatever team and tank their trade value. than it is the teams that allow it to happen. And if, if your team benefits, yeah, that's great. But just like we saw today, um, you know, shit ain't always sweet on the other side. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, with that, Let's uh let's move on and uh, go around the uh, National Football League and some of the uh, top storylines. And Tom, uh, I gotta say, Sunday was about as good a day as it could have been for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, last week of you know beating the Bears. Now they get ready for for Sunday Night Football. Unfortunately, we do not get to see the Rodgers Mahomes game that we've been trying to see for the last five years as injuries once again stand in the way of these two quarterbacks playing each other. But uh, Kelsey and uh, T-Swift with a hard launch. And, you know, she's there alongside Mama Kelsey, goes to dinner and everything. Now the Swifties have infiltrated the football world here. Uh, Are you for it or against it? Uh, What what do you think? Is, is, Is there staying power here, Tom? As a John Mayer fan, I don't like it. It's <laughs> like she's infiltrated every aspect. I'm I'm more interested as as and this is pretty. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd call it vulgar. I'm just asking the questions that people want to know here, John. Okay. I'm doing some true journalism here. Big as J. Travis Kelsey. Right as Travis Kelsey hit. I mean, 
I'll, I'll take it a step further. If we're going to do this big J journalism here, I was doing some research, and at one point in time, did you find the video? At one point, <laughs> not that, not, not, not that. Uh, there was a quote that Travis Kelsey had said a while back. He said that if his girl isn't giving him a BJ, then it's a deal breaker. Oh man, how long ago was that? This was like three or four years ago. So wasn't Taylor Swift? I thought like talking to like an OU tight end that doesn't play. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to do some research now because I did see it, and he looked very familiar to Travis Kelsey, like same body style. Now, so you're saying she might have a type here. Well, I mean, she has a lot of types, right? (laughs) Um, I want to say she was talking to an OU football player. Well, you had Katy Perry going after Trevor Knight, and he was uh, dating somebody else at the time. Oh, yeah, Danny Stuntsman. This oh, was Danny mid-September. Stuntsman. Yeah, Taylor Swift and OU football player Danny Stuntsman have been quietly hanging out for my sources. That was from – let's see who the – that was – I don't know who this is. but Oh, Stuntsman's a hell of a player, too. He's one of the best linebackers in the country. Oh, so he's a linebacker. But same kind of body style as Travis Kelsey. He's significantly younger than Travis and uh, Taylor, too. I mean, Taylor's like 33. So Stuntsman's he's probably like, what, 21? Right. So, I mean, same body style. I mean, she's dated quite the range of people. Um, the only person that she hasn't messed with that we know of is Pete Davidson. So, yeah. Um, now, I'll say this, Tom. Let let me defend my boy Travis Kelsey here. Uh, I mean, I would. Let let me let me defend him for one second of something that I, I take issue with. Of since it, now it feels like it's us versus the Swifties of some sorts. You know, Travis is. Uh, I, I don't know how you feel, Tom, but I think Travis is pretty well liked among most NFL fans. He's pretty well respected. I'm a fan. Um, like I'm irritated with these, these Swifties of sorts that are saying like, what is she doing with Travis Kelsey? You know, he's this meathead, you know, football player, whatever. I'm like, Travis is a great guy. Don't, don't come after Travis. Travis, you know, he's, he's very friendly. He's funny. Uh, I mean, he's a great athlete. Like she should be more than happy. To have the opportunity to date Travis Kelsey. Like, don't come after Travis. Travis didn't do anything here. Makes good money. Now, when they break up, um, I mean, there's going to be there's gonna be an a album. Like, so that's that's the only thing for the Chiefs. Like, Dear I don't think Travis. it's good or, good or bad, but you know, all these all these Swifties are buying his jersey, talking about him. There's the memes about him. Everybody can't stop talking about them. It's it's the new Colorado Buffaloes for this week, or maybe. Oh yeah, e- ESPN's moved on from Dion after that beatdown to, to Travis and, and and Taylor. So I mean, it is what it is. But at the same time, I mean, like, if I had to put money down, if I just said, "All right, Tom, put two hundred and fifty dollars down," will they make it through to the end of the season, or will it fizzle out? 
I'm putting two fifty down by the end of the season that it fizzles out. Um, she's didn't Travis just get divorced recently? Uh, Travis never been married. Okay, so he was dating that one light skinned girl though. Yes. Okay, you're right. So they were they were never engaged even. No. Okay. Okay. Well, they were together for a while though. I feel like. Yeah. He had that uh that dating show for a long time too, uh catching Kelsey. Well that and and Travis Kelsey seems like the uh might get some flag from this. He he's he's always got that invited to the cookout vibe. Yes. And and Travis and Taylor Swift would never be invited to the cookout. No. No. That that was what I was surprised about with him going for Taylor. I'm like So it's not- a little yeah, a little different. A little different, but more power to him. Uh, I wish them nothing. You remind me of Travis, Travis Kelsey and your dating preferences. Uh, <laughs> wish them nothing but the best. I am uh, a little surprised, uh, but hey, all more. You don't blame him, though. I wouldn't a second. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, absolutely. If you get the chance, I wonder if Danny Stuntsman. I wonder if he's like, damn. She could have been a very good sugar mama, Danny Stuntsman. Now she's Travis Kelsey's sugar mama. I mean, yeah, she does make all that money. Did I sent you that link, um, that barstool link of the girlfriends asking the boyfriends, like, well, Travis Ke- or Taylor Swift has put Travis Kelsey on the map, and everybody like they all look at it, the girlfriend like, bitch, like, <laughs> like, don't. Tom, like, if if the Chiefs somehow lose to Zach Wilson and the Jets this week. Then much like how Carrie Underwood was blamed for Tony Romo's losses early in his career. Oh, man. They lose. This is on Taylor Swift. She's apparently supposed to be at MetLife on Sunday night, too. I wonder I wonder what ticket sales are like. Like, are the Swifties buying up the seats close to the box? They've got to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's is it? I think, and you know, I think for the NFL, I think they probably love it. I did hear that that uh, Mahomes and the rest of them did get to meet Taylor Swift. I did hear that. Do you think Zach Wilson makes a play for Taylor's mom? I mean, hell, I'd make a play for Taylor's mom if she was available. (laughs) I mean, I mean, (laughs) shit. I mean, would you? I would. I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, at this point, I would. I don't. I don't have an. I don't have an. I have a lower age limit, but I do not have an upper age limit anymore. If she's got (laughs) money, she could be ninety, and I would. Uh, Oh. You know, I'm. I can. I do. What What do we say famously on the show? We can be bought. We can be bought. (laughs) You know, I can be bought. Yes, 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 indeed. Uh, Chiefs should win big, but if they don't, uh, it's it's Taylor's fault. Clearly, Is, now another thing about this Jets team that you mentioned, the Jets did the bar, and and speaking of uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Green Bay area, did that bar? I think the bar is in Milwaukee. And after Aaron Rodgers went down, of course they they got their spoils for the first game. But since the Jets are in such a bad spot for the rest of the season, do you think they 86 or X'd out their deal that if the Jets lose, the bar's free? 
I thought that was just for that one night. I thought it was for the whole season. Oh, I have not followed up on that. I'm not exactly sure. I'll have to take a look. I'll have to do my Big J journalism on that. All right, you get on that. Tonight, the Lions uh, face the Packers. Packers survive uh, a nice comeback against the Saints last week at home. The Lions are sitting at two and one. Have that loss, bounce back from that loss to the Seahawks. Uh, Jordan Love hasn't played that great like he did, you know, week one and everything. Tom, uh, call me crazy. I feel like this is a must win for both these teams here already. I mean, I think it's a must win for the Packers. I think for the Lions, this is. I think this, oh, well, maybe a must win, too. I feel like this is a big statement. It's not the Aaron Rodgers Packers that you'd beat, but it's still the Green Bay Packers, and I think if you beat them, that's a, that, that's a, another step forward. It's like on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where, like, you can take the money and go home with, you know, you can take the 100000 or you can answer the next question and win 250000 and so the Lions have that chance to move up to the two hundred fifty thousand dollar bracket. Uh, I think their, I think their millionaire question here for the whole season is, hey, let's you know make the divisional round of the playoffs. I think that would be a successful season considering where they're at. But we're at the two hundred fifty thousand dollar question. It's still the Packers. Is it in at Lambeau? It is. They might need to phone a friend, but I think they can get it done. Uh, let's go through the rest of these real quick here, just one by one. Falcons and Jags. It's in the Jags' uh, second home of London. Um, uh-huh. If the Jags lose to the Falcons here, Tom, it might be Jover for the Jags, a team that was without a doubt the favorites in that division. Like, are they frauds here? I don't know. I mean – I don't know if I'd call them frauds or not. Like they had a lot of high hopes, but I, I, you know, I, is it, do you pack up the season? If you do lose this game, I don't know. That's a, you know, good question to say. Uh, I, despite, despite if they go one and three here, if they were to lose, I still like the progression that we've seen from Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I do too. I mean, I mean the Jets would the Jets would uh, kill over to have Trevor Lawrence. Dolphins face the Bills. Um, Dolphins are three and zero. They hung seventy on Denver last week. Bills one loss was to the Jets week one. Tom, uh, are the Dolphins the best team not just in the AFC East but in the AFC? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, Tua looks good, and Tyreek Hill wants to be a porn star. I mean, I want to be a porn star too, but um, <laughs> you know, we don't always get our wishes. I am, I'm until I see if they go ahead and, and put an ass whoop on the Bills, then I'll start to believe. But we've seen that it takes one play, um, you know, one one errant sack for Tua to be lost. Who is their backup quarterback? Uh, Mike White. Okay. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be something Tua goes down? Well, no, they're not playing the Jets. But if they were, um, if you had to put fit, I don't want to wish injury on anybody, but it's still a word. We're not even, what, a fourth of a way through the season here. 
They did whoop the Broncos pretty good. The running game is even more impressive. You got you got Raheem Mostart and you got the that a chain guy that ended up dropping a lot of points. Yeah, at least in fantasy, the, guy the running game is really game. good. Yeah, and if they were to have Jalen Ramsey on that defense, and he wouldn't be hurt, then I could start to believe they're you know they're getting there, but. That's, that's going to be a heck of a game. He might be back later in the year. We'll see. Uh, Broncos face the Bears. Uh, huh. Throw in three. Tom, it's a shame that somebody actually gets to win this game because neither of these teams deserve that that W in the win column. I like the Broncos to bounce back. I don't think the Broncos are as bad as that game. Um, But the Bears are downright. If the Bears weren't in Chicago, if they were in, like, Jacksonville or uh, another relocation city, they would be already packing it up. I mean. Oh, I think they already are packing it up. Well, you can't. They can't move the Bears. Well, they're trying to move out of Chicago, trying to move the suburbs to Arlington. Well, I mean, the words work for Dallas. Yeah. Um, Ravens face the Browns. Deshaun against Lamar. The Ravens are basically playing their JV squad with all the injuries they have banged up here. Deshaun looks like shit. Um, Tom, I, I lean towards Baltimore here, but it uh, really depends on if they have enough bodies to even get through this game here. Oh, they're the better team. I just don't know how many players are going to be available. Yeah, Deshaun has looked horrible. Um, no Nick Chubb, obviously. The Jerome Ford kid hasn't played bad. Uh, they did bring in Kareem Hunt. He is questionable. Um, I like Baltimore too, but they need Baltimore needs like they need they need like like all the priests in Baltimore to come together and like go to M and T Bank and perform like the biggest like a Guinness World Record exorcism on the team, or they got to do something. Um, a couple more of these uh, games here. The uh, Eagles and the Commies. The Eagles are three and zero. Commies look pretty decent, two and one. Um, Eric Bieniemy. What do you know? You get a really good offensive coordinator, and uh, they look pretty solid on offense. Sam Howell's played fine. The Eagles at three and zero, picking up right from where they left off last season. Tom, uh, that might be the best team in the NFL right there. I mean, yeah. I mean, Swift looks good. Hurts, I thought, could have played better uh, this last game, but uh, still took care of business. And, um, you know, they their offense looks unstoppable, and Jalen Carter looks like the rookie of the year. Yeah, he's been nothing short of spectacular. Joe Burrow finally gets in the win column, taking down your Rams Ooh. last week, Tom. At one and two, they face the Titans. Um, but the Bengals, like Burrow still does not look right. And it took everything for them to come away with that win against the Rams. The Rams, I mean, the Rams played off. horrible. Yeah. Like, and the, the Rams didn't play good and they still pushed the Bengals really hard in that game. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm very concerned if, if Burrow, is ever going to be 100% healthy this year and if he's going to have some setbacks here because he just doesn't look right right now. I mean, yeah, and, you know, if they would have lost that game to the Rams, 
And then let's say the Titans go in and, and pull it off. Is it in Tennessee? It is. Let's say if they were to lose to the Rams and then lose to the Titans, I mean, I mean, Burrow is the future. Uh, Jamar Chase finally looked halfway decent against the Rams. Um, Higgins has not looked good. Tyler Boyd has not looked good. Hayden Hurst has been okay. But that, that offense that was supposed to be so high-powered with all these, you know, if you look at the receiving core on paper, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Hurst, with Mixon in the backfield, it's, on paper is one of the most dangerous offenses out there in the league. But uh, they've they've dropped passes. They haven't – Burrow hasn't been the same, like you said. I don't. I feel like that calf's bothering him. He can't set, uh, you know, like Burrow usually does. And obviously he's less mobile because um, he can get out in the pocket and do a little bit, kind of like a la Baker Mayfield just a bit. But do they, if they get to a point where they're, let's say, one and four, one and five or something like that, do they just shut him down and call it a day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let him get healthy because I, I, that's what I fear is he's just never going to be 100% if he keeps at this rate, but we'll see. Um, Meanwhile, uh, some other action. Patriots taking on the Cowboys. Cowboys two and one. Patriots one and two. Zeke's return to Dallas. Uh, what do you think, Tom? Uh, Zeke coming back. I know that the Cowboys are looking to get back on track after last week. Here, to me, this is uh, this is probably a better game than people think because the the Patriots with Belichick and everything, they're they're going to push teams uh to the limit here and Zeke's gonna play a little chip on his shoulder I'm sure Belichick's gonna take that as motivation for the rest of the team here I think you're right too and and I don't know what happened with Dallas last week against the Cardinals I really don't because because they looked so great in the first two weeks and the defense is really good you do lose Trayvon Diggs for the season with the ACL injury that's unfortunate for that team um but there's no excuse to lose to Joshua Dobbs and the Cardinals. There's really not. I, I think that might've just been the case of, Hey, we got an alternate bye week and they just overlooked that team. Um, I like the Cowboys to get back on track this week at home, but you're absolutely right. Zeke's Zeke's going to try to feed Zeke. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I, 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 think that Zeke is going to be very, uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, he had an 80-yard game last week. He, I don't think he's completely, you know, uh, washed at this point. Uh, we'll see. Should be should be fascinating. Uh, 49ers and uh, the Cardinals. 49ers, 3-0. I'll say this, Tom, to their credit, Brock Purdy is looking the part. He doesn't, you know, last year, as well as he played, he was still managing games. Now they're they're winning games, and he's not just along for the ride. Brock Purdy's making plays here. Yeah, and, you know, you, you've got, and I, I think Brandon Ayuk is a little banged up. You got Debo a little banged up after last game. You've got Christian McCaffrey, I think, still has the, you know, he's still in has the most rushing yards so far through three games this season. Um, looks the part, looks great. 
you know, as long as he doesn't get injured or anything, you know. They, they have the players. Kittle, even last week, kind of returned to form a bit. Uh, the offense looks great. Obviously, the defense with Greenlaw and Fred Warner and Jimmy Ward, you know, that anchor in that defense, obviously, you know, and Bosa, obviously. Uh, I mean, if if the 49ers falter this season, they should be right up in the mix with the Eagles. Um, and there shouldn't be no reasons why they don't. And if they do, then if, if they don't make – the Super Bowl or even the NFC Championship game for whatever reason, and then maybe you call into question Shanahan's coaching ability because the pieces are there. They are really there. Yeah, and that's even with the screw-up of the Trey Lance situation and all that. The pieces are and, still And they've been bailed out. He's Well, Shanahan's been bailed out by injuries. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get bailed out again. Um, yeah. But they could do it. They looked the part. Uh, Seahawks and Giants, uh, Monday night, man, a crucial game for both these teams. Tom, I, I'll be frank. I don't think either one of these teams are winning their division, but this is crucial when you talk about the wild card race and the wild card picture. The Giants cannot fall back to one and three with how tough that division is and what they're they're battling through, especially with the commanders even playing good. Meanwhile, Seattle, road game, Monday night, leading into the bye week. Not having to face Saquon Barkley here. This is a huge opportunity for Seattle to feel pretty good going to the bye if they can be three and one off a win against New uh, a road win against New York here. I think they will. Uh I mean Seattle could easily finish second in the division. Obviously, they did lose to the Rams. That is a divisional game. It is what it is. The Rams haven't looked that the Rams haven't looked as good. Uh, since so, I mean, just because Seattle has a juggernaut in the division is the only reason why I don't think they could win the division for the Giants. Uh, you mentioned the Commanders too, looking not bad. I mean, who would you rather have right now, Daniel Jones or Sam Howe? Uh, when you factor in cost, especially, I'd rather have Sam Howe, right? I mean, Giants are you know. I don't know what the picks look like, but Giants might be in the Drake May running at this point. Man, wouldn't that be something? Uh, after all that money, they, they paid $45 million for Daniel Jones, and this is what they got? I mean. Baker Mayfield smiling somewhere. Yeah. They could have had Baker for $4 million. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would be that would be a hard knocks. Oh, my gosh. What did that be something? Uh, Luke Slayball said Judd is coming up later. Uh, also, Coach Bo is going to stop by. Tom Fullery. A whole lot more to come. But right now, it's time for our Big 12 Breakdown. It's the Big 12 Breakdown. Time for Jones Down Bridges here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference. And as we do each and every week, Tom, let's go ahead and uh, get to our hot takes for the week uh tom you go ahead and start where uh shall we go to this time jones since uh oklahoma state's not playing this week and i can't go to stillwater for my hot take i'm gonna go a little further south we're gonna keep it in texas uh we're gonna go to fort worth and i'm gonna go with the bruce weber pick of the week here neil brown goes into amon g carter 
They're twelve and a half point dog. Give me the Mountaineers to get the job done. You know, Tom, every time we try to get Neil Brown fired, somehow this man lives to see another day. Did anyone expect West Virginia to be three and one right now? I mean, they beat Tech, who Tech was picked to finish in the top half of the league. You beat West Virginia, your arch rival, who was expected to be one of the better teams in the ACC. And your only losses to a top 10 team in Penn State. I mean, West Virginia, the way thing, the way they're playing here, uh, I, I would actually be surprised now if Neil Brown loses his job. Well, I mean, yeah, he's done well so far. And, you know, TCU, not a bad team, but they do lose to Colorado and, and right out of the gate and spoils their, you know, Big 12, you know, maybe not completely yet, but from the way we can see. Kind of spoils their coming home, first game back ceremony. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's it doesn't feel as hot as I think it could feel. Um, but give me the Mountaineers in Fort Worth. Okay. Is that your hot, be hot take? Um, my hot take for this week, Tom – I don't know if it results in a win, but I think on Saturday afternoon when Kansas takes on Texas, and I'll be there in Austin, my first trip ever to DKR, the best two players on the field this Saturday are going to be Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal. I would take as a college quarterback, I think De- I think Jalen's better than uh than Quinn Ewers and Devin Neal, I think is a special back and a great receiver as well. Um the difference though of why I lean towards Texas, Tom, is although Kansas has some really good top talent with those guys, they don't have the depth and the strength and numbers that the Texas Longhorns do. And for for me, that's what I'm looking for. The difference in in this ball game, it should be an exciting game. Should be a lot of points, but uh, Texas is is a more talented team across the board with more bodies. That it's going to make things difficult for Kansas to compete with. I mean, they you know Texas always is, but that hasn't stopped you know OSU from winning six of the last eight or six of the last nine or whatever it is. Um, you know what? I agree with you. I don't think Kansas can hang in terms of number of bodies. I think the game is close maybe until, uh, you know, mid-third quarter, end of the third quarter, uh, just because Texas has so many rotational players that are great. Even, you know, they, you know, they have they have second string that would go and start on Kansas, but that's not saying a whole lot because other than OU, those second string players from Texas would go start on the rest of the Big 12. So – uh, Texas's problem just has been coaching and not developing players very well. But line is 16 and a half. I think KU could cover. I think they could too. I think they could. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be hot. It will be. I mean uh, um where's your where are your seats at? Uh I'm sitting in the end zone. Okay, not up high. Uh I am in the upper deck, yeah. Bring sunscreen. Uh, I don't wear sunscreen. That's well. Huh? I'm just for I'm just forewarning you. 
I'll be fine. Um, let's go through the slate of games this week. Uh, Cincinnati and BYU. Tom, I'll be honest. Uh, I like you know these new members in the league and everything, but I am very glad that they're being humbled of sorts, that every one of the new members in their first Big 12 conference game lost. Uh, they, they, they were in for a rude awakening. Cincinnati loses to OU last week. Uh, they're, I'll say this, their defense gave OU a lot of problems offensively, but their that Cincinnati offense sucks. BYU, uh, made things interesting with Kansas. Ultimately the Jayhawks pulled away in the second half, um, to win that game. BYU's at home. Tom, I, I think BYU with, with Slovis and company, they've shown they can put up points. I don't even think Slovis is that great of a quarterback, but I'll take him any day over Emory Jones. I, I think BYU's offense is going to be too much for Cincinnati here. Yeah, I think so too. Is this the first uh, new member, new member game? It is. It'll be interesting to watch on a on a, and that's on a Friday night game. Yeah, that's Friday night. That'll be. That'll be one to watch. I'll I'll probably tune in for the, uh, you know, for Skyline versus uh versus the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Yeah, Skyline versus Coca Cola. Yeah, the 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 Chili versus the Colts. Yes. Um, Not with an O. <laughs> Houston in Texas Tech. Houston's two and two. Tech is one and three. If Tech somehow loses to Houston, Tom. I think we start to wonder about Joey McGuire being a fraud here because yeah, they have no excuse for being one and three, but they sure as day have no excuse to be losing to Houston, falling to one and four here. Houston's Houston's bad too. They are bad. I mean, and I, I think OSU's real bad, but Houston may be worse. Yeah, that's saying something. Uh, yeah. Baylor and UCF, this is the best opportunity, I think, for one of these new members to beat uh, somebody from from the Big 12. Uh, Baylor looks bad. They don't have a quarterback. UCF, last week, they were able to put up some points on the road to K-State, but K-State ultimately pulled away the fourth quarter there. Uh, you know, Gus Malzahn's a good coach. I think this is a decent football team, this UCF team is. Uh, I... I expect UCF to win this game, and Vegas likes this UCF team a lot too. Tom, they're they're nearly two touchdown favorites here, twelve and a half uh, uh, in this game here, uh, hosting the uh, the Bears. I mean, going to the bounce house, the Bears in the bounce house to get probably bounced. I don't. I mean, feel like the line's a little big there, but um, I mean. I wouldn't be shocked if you know if, if uh, UCF pulls this off. Um, OU and Iowa State. So Tom, what we've seen from OU is they blow somebody out, then the next week they win by two scores. Blow somebody out, the next week win by two two scores. This week playing Iowa State, prime time game. Um, Iowa State's a bad team. I know they just beat OSU and all that. Um, but if history repeats itself, this is a week where OU's back on the the big blowout train here, right? I mean, and you know, Iowa State uh, against a bad OSU team, they obviously got the win, but didn't look super good. I think I think OU can run all over this team. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, they should blow them out. They should. Um, for me, Tom, it's so weird seeing an OU team, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, but it's weird seeing an OU team that is carried by their defense. They have the number two uh, defense in the country of, of points allowed, only behind Michigan. They're off to an incredible start defensively. Danny Stutz, Stuntsman, uh, you know, Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriend, uh, he might be the best linebacker in college football. That defense looks really good and way better than I thought they'd be. I thought they weren't going to be that good defensively this year. And OU's offense has been up and down. Play calling has been questionable and everything here. Um, I think if I were to guess, Tom, if you're OU right now, I think you're feeling like you're in a pretty good position because the defense continues to do its thing. I I feel like with with Gabriel and some of those weapons, that offense is only going to figure out. It's only a matter of time. The defense does its part. The offense will get going eventually here. Yeah, I mean, this should be, you know, you don't have – you don't have like a K state this week or, you know, you get prepared for what they have this week. And then next week is red river shootout. Yeah. So, you know, this, I'm not going to say this is a, um, get ready game and, and, you know, but at the same time they should, you know, pull out all the stops you know, work to, you know, maybe get to mid-third quarter. And I think they very well could, especially the pattern that you mentioned. Get to the third quarter, get them blown out a little bit, and and start resting some of those people for next week because, you know, OU's got kind of a score to settle with Texas potentially. And if if OU goes in and blows out Iowa State, this will be one of the better, uh, you know, ranked matchups between OU and Texas, yeah, uh, going in the next week. That I mean, it, it'll be it'll be a real good time. Are you are you going to the Red River Shootout? I haven't decided yet. Um, yeah, I don't know yet. Could well, be one for the ages. Potentially so. Better than last year's game for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> West Virginia TCU. You 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 like the upset of West Virginia? You know, I, I'm I'll be honest. I think. I like the hot wave of West Virginia right now. I, I'm I'm leaning towards that direction too. West Virginia finding a way to get that done there. We'll see how it ultimately plays out. One more Big 12 note before we uh, bring in Luke Slayball here, Tom, uh, that I want to get to. Kyle Whittingham, Utah head coach, future member of the Big 12, kind of ruffled some feathers this week. He was kind of asked about the farewell tour of them playing some of these Pac-12 schools for the last time. And he pointed to, he said, well, this is all kind of temporary on some of these schools of the last time we're playing them. And that, you know, certainly raised some eyebrows and ruffled some feathers. Is is Kyle Winningham of the belief that Utah's actually going to join the Big Ten one day, that they're only going to the Big 12 for a little while, or was he referring to like, hey, we're going to schedule some of these teams as non-conference members down the road? Nonetheless, I'll give Kyle Whittingham the benefit of the doubt. I, I think that, you know, they're going to bring a lot to the table in the Big 12 and that it's going to be great to have them here. But, I mean, we, if we're going to be frank here, like, you know, we we, we have to keep 
I guess, one eye open on, on Utah and some of these members that ne- weren't necessarily the 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 happiest campers about joining the Big 12 to begin with. I mean, they'll have Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado to play. And then – yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I know they. That's their. That's their bedlam for sure. Um, and and cannot wait. I think one of the first games that I have no. Well, I do have rooting interest, obviously, but technically don't have a horse in the race. It is on my bucket list to go to the Holy War. Um, that is on my bucket list. I did hear, maybe not. You know maybe not credible rumors, but where does Oregon State end up? Could they end up in the Big 12 potentially? No, absolutely no chance. No chance at all. Where do you okay, speaking on college football before we get to Luke, where does Wazoo, where does Oregon State end up? The Mountain West. Do you think that's the end all be all for them? That or a new version of the Pac 12 with them making Mountain West teams, like, that will be their end game here. I mean, yeah, that's unfortunate. That could be because that Wazoo-Oregon State game this past week was great. Yeah. Um, Kyle Whittingham, Utah, change your attitude. You should be grateful to be coming to the great conference that is the Big 12. Uh, I don't want to hear any more bitching. Get used to it. Uh, they need a, they need a quick it. trip. They need a quick trip in Utah. Yeah, they do. They need a lot of things in Utah. Luke Slayball, <laughs> going to join us next. Joining us now on the program this week, a, a very good friend of the show, Luke Slayball. You know him. You love him. Now he's uh, taken the Naval Academy by storm, covering uh, the athletic department there and uh, joining up in the DMV as uh, he joins us now. Luke, always a pleasure in time we get the chance to chat, my friend. And uh, how are things in uh, just around the nation's capital there uh, for you, man? Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, you know, I had never, ever once had the DMV or the Mid-Atlantic on my radar at all. Um, and you said take by storm. I don't think anything can shake the institution that is the U.S. Naval Academy. It's a strong <laughs> well-established, well-run machine, and uh, nothing is uh, is flustering it ever. So I'm just happy to be a, a little piece of the puzzle there. So uh, in case people don't know, you know, we've been we've been having Luke uh, on our show for, gosh, what is it now, three, four years? Years. I mean, you were I, I want to say five or six times. Yeah. I might be six. Okay. The first time you were on with us, we recorded from like a Starbucks coffee in Broken Arrow. You were in a Fox 23. You went on, did some stuff with, with Bally and and freelancing and did a podcast with us for a while. And and now you made your way to the Navy. I mean, we've we've seen step by step uh uh this uh this journey of sorts. We we we've been along for the ride with you, I I guess, Luke. Well, even before that, Tyler, I want to say the first time that you and I ever spoke was when you were hosting radio down in Lawrence. Yeah, you called in asking about Mike Gundy and the very uncertain COVID times. Um, and I believe I met you the year before uh, OUKU at uh, the booth. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. Uh, yeah, no, you've seen my, my rise and fall and rise again, kind of. And when I say fall, I mean like. I was out of business for a little bit, about a year and a half. And that is when I took up the mantle of raw tools, um, 
rest in peace, I guess. There's a part of me that really wants to like keep podcasting and do that sort of thing, but there's really not an outlet. We were talking about launching something here on the yard that was totally Navy related, but that went up in flames and we, you know, gave it to the local newspaper guys and some of the the broadcasters that do play by play for us. So I, well, Luca, I'll say this. I'm in a good space right now. You know, to be honest here for the folks out there, like raw tools has kind of come in and out. I feel like raw tools will never die. Like it will be back. It just might be a few years from now. Well, I mean, what, what was the, the primary content of raw tools? It was the instability that was going on in college football at the time. And then, covering the NFL as much as I could dip my toes into that. And I think the way that my career is going right now, there might not ever be an opportunity to launch back into that because I can't like in my current role right now, it would be foolish of me to trash talk Missouri football. (laughs) And listen, my roommate, like on my couch or my coworkers at the USNA, they'll hear me loud and clear all day about, you know, how fraudulent Missouri is. And for NFL, is worry as much weight because right now I'm sandwiched between two really good brands of football in Baltimore and in D.C. now that uh, Dan Snyder got out of Dodge. So <laughs> I, I, I don't see that happening again. Um, I would always love to join a podcast or, you know, add my two cents, which is what we're doing here. But I feel like these days it's better to just lie low and, you know, be the TV talent that I was meant to be. Yes, uh, that's great. Happy for you, Luke, uh, how things are going. Uh, speaking of which, just, just kind of explain, uh, w- what is it uh, you're doing covering uh, Navy athletics for uh, folks that don't know what uh, what your role is? Right, so this started out as like a video coordinator slash intern type of position, and over the years it's evolved to include some on-camera work, a little bit more cap, not capital J journalism, but more of a journalistic bent, a creative bent, kind of a strong arm in the marketing and PR side as well. If I had to boil it down to one thing, it's kind of akin to what your regional sports networks do. I want to make the athletes and the coaches look good, tell their story however best fits the medium. So at Navy, and they pride themselves on this, they have, I think, the second most varsity sports offered among FBS schools. I believe Ohio State has 37. We have 36. And Stanford is up there as well. I I wear a lot of hats. It's a lot of video shooting. It's a lot of editing. It's a lot of coordination. It's some travel. It's uh, managing a lot of social media. So my my job is the quote-unquote director of multimedia, but there's a lot, goes a lot deeper than that. So I'm wearing a lot of hats. And with uh, with Navy, it's been interesting, uh, you know, when you look at their athletics, uh, you know, in these, you know, post-COVID times, we've seen these athletic departments benefit from having fourth, fifth, six-year players. Uh, you know, I think most notably this year, probably Jordan Travis there, Florida State, who's what, like, you know, close to you and I's age, it seems like, but 26. And here's all this training. Yeah. Here's Navy, who, based on their rules and everything, they they really couldn't adapt to this uh, COVID era of college football. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. In particular, I wouldn't say adapt, but it really – I mean, there are They're measures really allowed that, to, uh, maybe a better way. 
It's, I mean, it's up to the Secretary of the Navy, and I, I've known that there have been a couple of waiver exemptions at uh, Army and Air Force, the other two service academies. But you're right, for the most part, like, it, and that's the challenge of football. Like, every every major break in college football has met with been met with some backlash. There's had to be some way to overcome it. Um, talking about the popularity of, like, the, the, the spread offenses and, you know, Lane Kiffin torching people at Alabama – how did people counteract that in the years to come? Why does Alabama now, you know, not, you know, operate the same way? Because they had to adapt. That's kind of a simile to what I'm saying here. I, I don't think it hurts. Like, like the Navy has had things in place before. We have the prep school, Naval Academy prep school or NAPS, where people do, you know, in between high school and college, get familiar with, you know, how life has lived and how to carry themselves I'm not saying that that is an equivalent to being a full-grown 24, 25-year-old man, but, I mean, they've shown in post-COVID times that they can hang with some teams at the FBS level, even, you know, major FBS teams. So I think that they have the right personnel in place and the right minds in place to try to get the transfer portal and, you know, all that eligibility. I I can't help but wonder, and this is just, going to be a deep cut between you and me Tyler I can't help but wonder if Skylar Thompson would still be at Kansas State right now if he were going to take advantage of those if he had shown up a little bit later and we see 28 year old Skylar Thompson playing here or somewhere I just every time someone transfers I think of him there's a guy at Miami who's like going for his ninth year of eligibility it's a uh, super super tough seat crazy right yeah it's uh like let it like let it go there, there's a there, there's a time and place. It, it it's like the uh, you know, I I grew up uh, going to church every Sunday, Luke, and there was always that one kid that didn't want to leave, like you know, Sunday school, children's church, and move on to the youth group that wanted to like always hold back or whatever, or like that's what it feels like sometimes with these transfer portal kids. Like eventually, hey, you're not going pro. Like give it up, man. Like this this isn't working for you. <laughs> Yeah, but on the flip side of that, the opportunities to to make money in professional football are more abundant than ever before between USFL, XFL, stuff overseas. I mean, there were a lot of quality players like from Princeton back in the day that went and played in Germany and played in Finland and just like loved it. So, you know, it's 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 whatever they want. I'm not going to tell anyone how to live their life, but you're right. You know, the service academies in particular have a little bit of a special um angle now that they have to be in and out in four years and it's up to it's up to us to overcome that challenge and like i said we've certainly got the the right personnel in place to make that happen yeah that's uh that's great to see uh and then uh the conference you're at too the american uh some ever-changing times uh you know with with the moves that we've seen with the recent additions to the big 12 out of that league smu's headed out to the acc here um, the American, uh, Mike Oresco trying to hold things down as they can. Uh, what do you make of kind of the status of the American and, and going forward, uh, you know, trying to survive, it feels like at this point. I think the American's going to be fine. Uh, knows what it is, um, has good relationships with other conferences, treats their schools really well. Um, I, I don't see that being an issue. I, I did have the, the privilege of going to their media day in Dallas, actually caught up with you. While I was there, um, down at the, the Live by Lowe's, uh, right next to the Rangers ballpark, 
oh yeah, uh, Arlington. So, the uh, great times, great times. But no, I think you know we're we're kind of discouraged from using the the Power Five slash G five terminology um, because I think the American has shown that it can compete on the big stage with the big boys. Look at Tulane last year, and then you know our former members, Cincinnati, UCF. Um, they're Houston. They're going to have some growing pains joining a, a larger known conference with a little bit more oomph behind it in the Big 12. But once they start recruiting at their level and you'll start to see recruits and transfers and people coming into the American Conference, we saw it a bunch already with Memphis. Memphis looks great. And Memphis took a lot of, you know, Oklahoma transfers and Ohio State transfers and Texas A&M transfers and people looking for a better break. And you'll start to see that happen a little bit more with a conference like the American, but I, you know, I love the schools that we have. I think it's a really good geographic footprint and I can't make any shots on or make any calls about what the conference will do in the future. But I think they were ahead of the curve in adding, I believe it was six new schools this off season uh, because in this era of realignment um, where you're starting to see, you know, a major, you know, long standing icon in the pac 12 kind of crumble into the pack too. Um, the Americans safeguarded from that for the time being, and their their schools are, are going to prosper. It's a, it's a good conference. Yeah, yeah. And you look at that league uh, with those that departed now. Uh, you mentioned Memphis, Navy. Uh, you know, Tulsa comes to mind. And, you know, we said earlier you covered them for a while too. I mean, uh, there's a unique opportunity for some of these, uh, you know, group of five American Athletic Conference teams to – uh, compete, make their name made known, and in this new playoff that's about to start next year, have a chance exactly to make the playoff that they've had point. otherwise. Yeah. That was exactly my next point. I think the Tulane-USC game is just like a, a prime example of that. That happens in prime time, you know, over the Christmas season or something leading up to that. Um, what what a wonder that it would work for, for the conference. So you, you'll start to see, and I can't, I haven't looked, looked at the latest AP poll today, but I think you will start to see with this new era of college football and the opportunities at the Americans level, you'll see a Memphis creep in. You'll see a Tulane or you know, the other great schools that we got. So um, I'm I'm excited for it. I think it's, it's a good conference. It's been really good. Like you mentioned, I covered Tulsa for, for two and a half years. And Tulsa's great. Tulsa knows what it is. It's um, – it's, it's, it was great. Lucky to be there for that 2020 season in, in particular. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. We're talking to Luke Slayball right now uh, as uh, we're talking college football uh, at the moment. And, uh, Luke, uh, just as a college football fan uh, you are and everything, what what do you think of where we're at so far this year? Did, it, is, it doesn't look like there's one clear, you know, number one great team. You know, in the, the last couple of years it's been Georgia, but – they don't even look like themselves. Uh, you know, common theme whether it's them or Alabama or others uh, of not finding a quarterback yet at this point. Yeah, and it's interesting when you start to analyze and break down every single position, particularly on that Georgia Bulldogs roster. You've seen so many of them graduate to the NFL. Some of them, excuse me, some of them leaving early, and. Yeah, all the pieces haven't fit together for Georgia yet, but that's the one team where each year they've competed and each year they've won the title. They've had a couple of rough 
go-rounds where they didn't quite look themselves and they didn't apologize for losing. But I can think in particular last year, Georgia at Mizzou uh, looks like a shell of themselves and, and escaped with a win. And again, there are no moral victories. So I, I think again, I, I would pick the Bulldogs right now. I don't think that they have diminished too much to the point where I have lingering questions. Um, Alabama has looked shaky. That's been well documented, not just the Texas game, but I mean, the team that we're playing this weekend, USF had them 3-3 in the third quarter. That is, um, I mean, that, that's a marvel. That's exactly what I'm talking about, the American and the, the sense of optimism you get now. But you're right. There are several teams right now flirting around the top 10 that are, are looking around and saying, you know, there is no clear-cut winner. We, we might have this. Uh, look at what Oregon did last weekend against Colorado. Washington and Michael Penix have done an incredible job. Um there's uh, USC even right now, even after a little bit of a scare with uh, uh, the Sun Devils down in Arizona State, uh, USC will have their hat in the ring at some point. The Pac-12 in its you know final full year looks looks really really good, and Ohio State will have a, a claim in that as well. So yeah, I think this would be a great year for the expanded playoff. But again, we're really early into the season; we still got to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and the. You know, we mentioned that some of those teams up there that don't have their quarterback situation figured out, and then others, I'm looking at uh, Luke, have really good quarterback play. USC, obviously, with Caleb Williams. Texas with with Quinn Ewers. And, you know, Michigan with J.J. McCarthy. I mean, it's it's one or the other. Either there's there's question marks or some of these teams, the opposite in the spectrum, have, have great quarterback play. It seems like it's one or the other here. We are starting to see – the evolution of the quarterback position since it's been so specialized at the youth level. Think of all the seven on seven camps and the, the tours and the, the summer camps and all these scrimmage games and all this training that goes on behind the scenes that was not available back when we were growing up as kids or back when we were watching college football, when we were in college, we're starting to see a new generation of quarterback where the raw, the raw skills and the talents that you see with some of these players like a Shadur Sanders, a Caleb Williams, a Bo Nix, a J.J. McCarthy. They're all unique. They all play to their strengths, but you can't really pick which one stands out from the rest. I think Drake May, Caleb Williams are the ones that right now would be mocked number one, but we've seen Caleb Williams in the face of adversity. We've seen him not have a good day and his emotional responses to it. There's a lot. To, to factor in when you evaluate a quarterback talent. But yes, I would agree that you're starting to see just this, this enriched quarterback class. And it's not stopping anytime soon, Tyler. No, no, it it, it isn't. And uh, you, you mentioned with, with Caleb Williams there, started at Oklahoma, here he is at USC, coming off the Heisman Trophy and everything here. I mean, I, I love his game, but I do wonder, like, you know, how much has he grown when push comes to shove if, if they're not playing well or playing from behind, how how is he going to respond to adversity now compared to what he did last year? Because if we're going to be frank, that was probably the, the weakest part of his game uh, is that he, he didn't do well in, in those moments. And maybe it just comes with age. But I, I was a little disappointed when I looked back at the Utah game and the Tulane game and, and all that last year. And very curious to see how it, it goes this year if he's put in that circumstance. Yeah, I have some questions. Just 
from his time at OU, but also just following as a spectator, just the body language, how he carries himself when trailing, when he doesn't make the right read, when he has a bad play. That's something that's usually stomped out of you in high school or early in college. And I don't, I never saw that out of, <laughs> this is going to be a deep cut. I never saw that out of Spencer Rattler. Um, <laughs> didn't see it. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> yeah, like there's, it's just, and he's also, Think about how that's going to translate to the NFL when he doesn't have six or seven seconds in the pocket. Caleb Williams goes to the Chicago Bears, for example. Like, it's over. Like, like that's toast. I, I have questions. But, you know, I don't know Caleb that well. So, I'm going to leave it up to him. And I think I, at the end of the day, I think he's got a good coach. So, we'll see. Let me, uh, while we're on the top of college football here, ask you about two of the old teams you covered and just how things have changed. Uh you know, you look at OU, they look better this year, but, I mean, last year they started off pretty good and things went downhill from there. Brent Venables doing things a lot different than what uh, Lincoln Riley did. Uh, the defense is better, but the offense hasn't been that great. This this is not uh, an Oklahoma team I would say I'm used to seeing here at this point, Luke. Right, and I watched the Cincinnati game from my couch, it was a big day of college football. I think it ultimately comes down to what their play calling is going to be on first down, how they set themselves up on the beginning of drives. This is all anecdotal because I can't, I don't remember drive by drive the details of what happened when Lincoln was there, but it felt to me that they were always ahead of the eight ball on offense. Even the games that they lost, like the Kansas State game in 2019, for example, they always started the drives well. Like It seemed like they were able to get down the field and get to the midway point without making it third and manageable or, or third and long. And that's something that's going to come with time, whether it's Jeff Levy as the, the offensive coordinator or, you know, you would think Gabriel has enough experience to, to make that work. He's been around certainly long enough. Uh, maybe it's just getting familiar with the weapons that he has. Um, but – I, I think OU is going to be fine. Cincinnati was a test, maybe not their first real test. OU, Texas, they're going to benefit from this transition year for the for the Big Twelve. But for the most part, you know, expectations are always going to be high. Norman, they're going to they're going to be all right. And I always look forward to the Sooner Scoop coverage and stuff that floats into my timeline. It's you know, I miss it. I, I miss Oklahoma. I think every every day that I, I wake up, I cover something here. I, I'm happy here and certainly got really good access here to the program but um something about that big 12 football and certainly that landscape in uh northeast oklahoma central oklahoma that it's different than everything else man it, it is it is unique that they're very lucky down there oh yeah yeah for sure uh you know that's that's a great point uh meanwhile up in uh stillwater uh oh boy i think you and i have been kind of ahead of the curve compared to everybody else just you know seeing that the downfall of that program was coming and, and uh here we are and and it's this this is a new low like i i haven't seen them this way in a long time uh it, it feels like the days are, are are counting they're they're numbered for my gunny at this point here well you know i always thought that that was a position that he would have to give up like Sure, there is someone there. Is, is it Weiberg that's the athletic director there still? Like, there, yeah, there's yeah, certainly... Weiberg. Yeah. Yeah, there's... I don't know, man. That's such... I would say the rowdiest fan base. Maybe maybe not the rowdiest, but in terms of, like, that time 
zone, like the best fan base that like does deserves better. And I, I love a lot of fan bases. I love K State. I love OU. Oklahoma State is. I mean, you're playing football out in the middle of nowhere, man. But it's like it's beautiful. It's it's it is football near its purest form. I would say. As for, <laughs> I, I haven't. I haven't seen much um, at all, really. I haven't paid attention, but I saw the score. I saw the South Alabama one. Uh, I've seen that the quarterback situation is not one that is uh, set in stone, that they were rotating a couple of guys, including the coach's son. I, you know, it parallels, but it's not identical to what has happened in Clemson. Clemson still has some really highly rated recruits and is still a a blue blood. It's still a contender. It's still, you know, it's still a significant brand. Oklahoma state has never had the, never reached the championship heights that Clemson did, but it's, it, it is a testament to maybe not taking full advantage of the portal, losing some key weapons to the portal. And then, you know, recruiting and, and stag, you know, stagnation kind of again, like it couldn't happen to a better place. I like Mike. I always had positive interactions with Mike. I respect Mike. Um, something drastic should happen. I, I don't know what it's going to be because he is very loyal to some of the staff that he's brought on there, and rightfully so. Great people, good men, good family men. I don't know what it's going to take, but right now it's kind of sad. They're supposed to be the leader in this new Big 12. They're supposed to, <laughs> supposed to carry the banner for, you know, top 15 teams and, you know, playoff berths and all that. And I just, I really, I really want it to happen, but something's got to change, man. What do you think? Man, uh, it kind of reminds me, Luke, of uh, TCU a couple of years ago where you had Gary Patterson uh, was the greatest coach in that program's history. They reached all sorts of heights and some incredible accomplishments, but clearly they weren't who they used to be and they were never going to be. And, you know, they had no choice but to go a different direction. And I think you've gotten to that point with Mike Gundy where the the 2011 days, you know, Brandon Whedon and all that aren't coming back. Like, you know, they, as they enter this new era, not having to play Oklahoma going forward in the Big 12, I, I think that they're going to need to go a new direction. They need to hit the reset button because you, you and I have seen it. Like, they have the facilities. They have the resources to compete. They just need a coach that can get them there, and they're not getting the results that they should be expecting. Not saying they need to be beating Oklahoma every year, but there's no reason why that team shouldn't be the, the best in the new Big 12. Yeah, I, I was really concerned because I watched the postgame press clips, like the video clips after the South Alabama game. And mind you, that's a home game. Um, and they apparently were getting booed uh, by their fans because they couldn't get anything going on offense against South Alabama Jaguars, who, in fairness, like run a decent program down there in Mobile. Like it's not it's not unheard of. It's not terrible, but just the margin of victory and the the stagnation on offense it and just looking at Mike's body language and just kind of the he didn't seem moved he seemed kind of exhausted but in a more passive way and I could totally be misreading it and I'm, I'm certainly you know I believe in him I think he's you know certainly earned the benefit of the doubt but that was just it, it, it puzzled me because that's for, for, you know, for it being Stillwater, Oklahoma, like it's still an exciting part of the country with a lot of good things going on there. Like there should be some fire and fury when you don't 
play up to expectations there at Oklahoma State. And and in some of their programs there, I know that is the case. Uh, but for football, I just – I don't know, man. I, I really want it to work out again, like just uh, Orange Power Studios, the staff there. Oklahoma State has always been just – it's a little gem out there. It is. It's, it's a gem. It is. Uh, we got a little bit of time left, so I want to ask you, uh, you know, a couple NFL notes here. First and foremost, question everybody wants to know: uh, as somebody like you that has been uh, in an expert with the the Hinge app over the years, uh, do you? Oh God! Uh, do you oh, approve God, no. of uh, Kelsey and Swift? Uh, is this going to last? No, it's not. And I also think that I think the Chiefs are cursed. I do not think this is their year. Um, part of it may be from growing fat on their thrones, but I think the second one is that th- think of it, think of it this way, Tyler, you, you knew she you was just... when she walked in. Oh, okay. Uh, but she can make the whole room shimmer. It's fine. I think that think of it this way, Tyler, you just got Jackson Mahomes to step out of the limelight to stop making all this bad press. You just got him to go away, as far as I'm concerned. I have not seen him at all on social media or I have not seen him do anything headline-making. And you replace him with someone who could do infinitely more damage to your reputation and your brand. Um, I think Taylor Swift is fine. I think she's a very talented artist. I think she's hardworking. She's diligent. She has a great image. She stands for all the right things, um, but that fan base is toxic. That fan base is <laughs> it, it. It is worse than Jackson Mahomes. I want Taylor Swift to be happy. I want her artistry to soar to new heights. I want Travis Kelsey to be happy. Um, but you know, there's a reason. You know, people do this stuff in public and not in private. That's um. They totally wanted to do stuff behind closed doors or see each other. Um, there's plenty of ways to do that in celebrity culture in 2023. But to get there up in a suite with his mom and with all these people up there, it's um, it's a super tough scene. Super tough scene, Tyler. So uh, in an actual football question, you say the Chiefs are, are cursed. Who is the team to beat in the NFL this year, you think? It's a great question. Well, Miami. What, what are we doing here, man? Uh, the Dolphins under – my man, Mike McDaniel, are uh, uh, without question um, the superpower right now. Niners are going to make it interesting. Uh, I don't know if the Niners have a knockout punch threat, so to speak. Debo's got some mileage on him. Brock Purdy is good. Brock Purdy doesn't make mistakes, which is nice. Um, but I think a fully healthy Dolphins roster is going to be the team to beat. Think of the weapons they invested in. Think of an upright Tua someone you protect Tua if he stays upright that's going to be huge um but right now oh and they got uh Fangio as well as defensive coordinator like that is the place to be right now Miami and it's them the Niners and then yeah Eagles Chiefs Bills in that order that makes sense okay I can respect that uh, Luke, before you go, uh, plug away where uh, people can find you and uh, see all the uh, stuff you're up to, man. Oh, I can't believe it's already over. Well, first of all, there are so many great things going on at Navy Athletics, the NAAA. 
36 sports, and you can see all of them at NavySports.com. There are hyperlinks there. There's a page that goes to our YouTube page. We're closing in on 10,000 subscribers. We have a bunch of OTT material there, highlights, interviews, a lot of football, a lot of football. Every time someone in football speaks, we've got that on camera for the most part. Um, It's it's amazing. A lot of special features. So many great athletes that are going to go on to serve our country. Midshipmen, as we call them right now at the academy, uh, when they're commissioned and they go out and they either become pilots or they work in submarines or they work in any sort of field um special ops like they're they're super special they're sharp people they're great athletes they've got an undeniable amount of grit and they're just they're fantastic human beings a lot of great athletes who i've really come to love and take care of so um that's it navysports.com uh support all things navy it's gonna be a good football season Uh, a lot of good things going for them right now and uh pretty soon basketball and lacrosse around the corner it's uh it's a good time. It's a good time to be uh, in Annapolis. Look, I'm glad we got to catch up. It was uh, good seeing you a couple different times a part of the Summer of Jones uh, this uh, this summer. And uh, we will, uh, I'm sure, be uh, meeting again here in the very near future. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, man. We got SMU coming up after Thanksgiving, so I'll, I'll, I'll see you there. Um, might be in Oklahoma or St. Louis, too, that time. But, yeah, I'll see you then. <laughs> Time for Coach Bowles Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. And you can check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? Other than seasonal allergies, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, get, get you that Claritin clear. You know? it, so the Claritin works for the allergies but then the allergy medication makes me cough oh okay so i get all dried out so i've either got to back off the medication and not cough or be able to see and breathe and cough in the ass okay uh well i hope you're doing all right uh nonetheless uh bo uh i i have to ask uh, i'm sure that the O'Connor Advisor Group clients would would like to know um, what's uh, what's been your takeaways of uh, Kansas City's new uh, first couple. I don't give a fuck. I, good for both of them. I'm not sure this is all real, to be honest. But <laughs> I we'll see. I hey, look. I'm not one that's going to hate on anybody. So good for both of them. If they're dating each other, good for them. If they're not, they're friends, good for them too. I, but I don't see what the huge deal is. I just don't get into other people's relationships. So, yeah. uh, I, I, uh, I just wish that quarterback would go a different direction, you know, but that's, uh, that's none of my business. I don't get into people's, you know, life. that one I have a stronger opinion about. <laughs> I think I lean toward your side on that one. If if he disowned his brother, then do us all a favor too. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, if I I could have killed him, I could have killed him, and it would have been no one would have no jury would have convicted me. Man, I had the opportunity. Uh, all right, Bo. Here is the standings and the picks. Uh, so far, uh, you're making progress. One spot higher on the leaderboard, but you're still behind. Uh, I'm at twenty two and eighteen after going five and five last week. You went five and five last week as well. Moved up to 19 and 21, still losing record. Uh, Tom with a three and seven week last week, 
fell to third in 18 and 22 overall is the uh, record there. So here's the slate of games this week. College side starts with number 11, Notre Dame, and number 17, Duke. Notre Dame favored by five and a half. Number 10, Utah. Number 19, Oregon State. Oregon State favored by three. Number 13, LSU. And number 20, Ole Miss. LSU favored by three. Number 24, Kansas. Taking on number three, Texas. Texas favored by 17. Uh, I'll be at that game. Number eight, USC. And Colorado, USC favored 21 and a half. In the NFL, the Dolphins and the Bills. The Bills favored by two and a half. The Lions and the Packers, the Lions favored by one. Ravens and Browns, Browns favored two and a half. Falcons and Jags in London, Jags favored by three. Seahawks, Giants in uh, New York with the Giants favored by one and a half. So let's go ahead and get started with the college slate. Notre Dame, Duke, Notre Dame favored by a half. Bo, where are you going here? I think Duke in this game. And I like Duke where I think they can even win this game. Um Notre Dame's got a good defense, a good run game, but I think that Duke's going to score some points here. And I think that I don't think Notre Dame is, you know, essentially six points better than Duke. So I'm going to take the points here and take Duke. I'm going to disagree. I'll go with uh, Notre Dame here. Uh, I think Notre Dame, uh, it wasn't a moral victory last week, although some tried to make it out to be. Uh, But I do think they're a more physical team than Duke. Duke, has impressed. Uh, I like Riley Leonard, the quarterback, but I like Notre Dame more. I like them to win and cover uh, and bounce back at that loss uh, to Ohio State last week. Utah taking on Oregon State. Oregon State favored by three. Uh, the game in Corvallis. Uh, Cam Rising should be a game-time decision. Whether he plays or not, ultimately didn't play last week. What do you think here, uh, Bo? Very good matchup here uh, there with Oregon State favored by three. Okay, so Utah's a little different team on the road than they are at home. Um, but that defense, defense can travel. So I'm taking Utah plus the three here. Uh, if they have rising, it's even better. But I'm going to go ahead and go Utah and take the three. I, I, I didn't think that Oregon State was real good last week. and I don't think that their offense is going to put up a big number against Utah. So give me Utah. As Bo would say, wrong team favored. Uh, I'm going with Utah here. Uh, whether Cam Rising plays or not, I think they're a better team than Oregon State. They should get it done on the road uh, as a three-point dog. I like them to win outright. LSU and Ole Miss. Uh, LSU, a three-point favorite on the road here. Bo, uh, I was not very impressed with Ole Miss last week against Alabama. I didn't like the way that offense looked. Jackson Dart, I don't think, is that great of a quarterback. LSU. Looks like that they've turned a corner to an extent. Uh, a better football team than they were week one. They they traveled to uh, Oxford. Not the easiest place to play. What do you think about LSU favored by three? I like LSU here. I think LSU has turned the corner. Defense is really good. We're seeing a lot of changes. And um, what we saw week one against Florida State, that defense is not who's played the last three games. That's been a totally different defense. Offensively, the passing game is back. Ole Miss did not play well against Alabama. And and Alabama is not a very good – they're not the tippy-top Alabama team. Right. Ole Miss should have gone in there and given Alabama a better game. I like LSU here, and I think this could be a two-score game when it's all said and done. 
Yeah, I'll go with uh, with LSU to to win and cover that three point margin. I like what I've seen from LSU the last couple weeks. I don't think Ole Miss is that great. Kansas taking on Texas. It is in Austin. Texas is favored by seventeen. We've seen some crazy things happen when Kansas plays Texas over the years, and uh, now this one though, I'll say Bo. What's different now, comparatively speaking, the last couple of years, Kansas isn't catching anybody off guard. They're a top twenty-five team. They're undefeated. Uh, Lance Leipold has won in Austin before. Um, this is this is totally different circumstances than what we've talked about previously when these two teams have met. I I don't know how I quite how I feel about this game. This is a really tough game to pick. Texas is averaging thirty five yard thirty five points a game. They've played against some tough competition in there. Um, they put up a big number against Alabama. They put a whacking on Baylor last week. I'm a little worried about Kansas coming out and getting behind. This is not a game I would normally pick on my own. This is not a game where I would play this at all. Um, I'm going to take Kansas plus 17 because it's just a lot of points. But KU is going to have to score 20 points to keep it within 17. They're going to have to get three touchdowns somehow. I'm also a little concerned with Devin Neal's health as well. Um, He didn't get a lot of carries last week. I think I don't know if that's that he's not healthy or they wanted to save him for this game. Um, Either way, I'm kind of risking this one. Having to pick it, I'm going to pick Kansas with the points, but I'm not real confident at all. Yeah, uh, I like Kansas to keep it within 17, respectable. Uh, They got blown out in this game last year at home. Uh, I don't think they want to get embarrassed. I I think they'll do what they can to keep this a competitive game. Texas probably pulls away in the fourth quarter here, but uh, we've seen some crazy things happen when these two teams play before. I'll take Kansas to uh, cover, but Texas to win at 17. Uh, last one on a college slate here, USC and Colorado, Colorado, uh, came back down to earth last week, uh, without Travis Hunter really just wasn't the same team taking on Oregon. U- USC, uh, survived a bit of a scare against Arizona state. I think USC has played to their potential so far this year. That defense hasn't looked good. Um, uh, they're 20 and one and a half point favorites, big noon, uh, interesting note for both these teams, Bo, an early game, 10 a.m. in the Mountain Time Zone. It'll be 9 a.m. for USC, you know, uh, coming over from Southern California here. Uh, USC 21 and a half point favorites. I, I lean towards USC, but something kind of feels strange about a 21 and a half point favorite in an early morning game like this. Yeah, so – this is the lowest spread USC has had all season. Um, they didn't cover last week um, against Arizona State. They were like a 20, I think they were a 30-point favorite in that game and didn't cover, and it was never in doubt they didn't cover either. I mean, it was Arizona State played with them the whole time. USC has an incredible offense. It, the best offense in the country. I mean, they're averaging well over 50 a game. They're going to put up a lot of points in this game, but I expect Colorado to score points. USC's defense cannot stop a nosebleed. I I really don't know how this is going to go. I'll tell you what I bet here. 
I would hammer the over. I know it's 73 and a half, but I'd hammer the over. Um, begrudgingly, I'm going to take Colorado plus 21 and a half. It's a lot of points with USC's bad defense. The bad defense at USC is going to end up keeping them out of the playoff, in my view. They're going to lose a game against either Washington or Oregon because of that bad defense. As good as Caleb Williams is. And they'll score a bunch of points. But I'll take Colorado plus the points here. I'll take USC. I want to take Colorado, but I think that they're going to come out with their best foot forward. They know that this Colorado team can score. they got a dynamic offense. I'll go USC 21 and a half. To the NFL, Dolphins and Bills. Bills favored by two and a half. The Dolphins just coming off a 70-point performance last week. Um, Bo, what do you think here about the Bills favored by two and a half at home? Okay, so it's an easy overreaction to just take Miami. To say, hey, they scored 70 last week, and they're scoring every week. It's an easy overreaction to do that. Buffalo played really well this past week. They won big. They won big the week before. This game's in Buffalo. Now, what I think the big deal is, this game's in Buffalo now, and then when they play each other again, it's week 18 in Miami. I'm going to take the Dolphins. It's not an overreaction to the 70. It's just simply this is a close, high-scoring game. And in the end, the better you're going to give me the better offense and the points, I'm going to take them. So give me the Dolphins here. I'm going with the Dolphins for the same reason you had. And I could argue the Dolphins might be the best team in the NFL right now based on the way they've played and, you know, to his performance and riding the hot hand here. You're, you think of this from a wagering perspective. You're spotting me two and a half on two pretty evenly matched teams at this point. Okay. I'll take the points I can work with. The smarter bet here is the Dolphins at two and a half. Lions and Packers. Uh, Lions are a one-point favorite on the road. Uh, Bo, Jordan Love hasn't really played that great since week one, and I feel like this is kind of a must-win game for both these teams here. So I watched every play of the Packers-Saints game. I have a lot to say about that game later. If you go to the Coach Bono's podcast, we got a lot to say about that game. Uh, Jordan Love played really well in the fourth quarter of that game. But he's going to have to play a complete game to beat the Lions. The Lions are a better team. I like the Lions. One is basically just straight up in this case to me. Give me the Lions at Green Bay. They beat them there last year. They're going to beat them there again this year. The Lions are for real. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think the Lions, uh, they've already won a Thursday night road game on the road this year uh, against Kansas City. Uh, I expect them to take care of business, and they're just a better team uh, than the, the Green Bay Packers are. I'll take uh, Detroit to win and I cover that one-point margin. Ravens and Browns, Browns favored by two and a half. Bo, if this was both sides were healthy, this would be an easy pick for me. Like, Baltimore is a much more talented team. They got the better quarterback. They got the better head coach. But they are so depleted with all the injuries, like, what was it, like 11 players that are out right now? I mean, it is a lengthy injury report. Browns, other than Nick Chubb, are pretty healthy uh, at this point with only uh, two players on the injury report from the active 53-man roster here. 
Um, Browns at home and healthier. What do you think? And, and the Ravens coming off a disappointing loss at home to the Colts last week. I think the Ravens played very well against the Colts last week, but I have not been impressed with the Browns yet. I think the Browns' front on defensively is really good. They didn't impress you with the way they did week one against the Bengals? No, I bet the, I bet the coaching was really bad. Like, I thought the Bengals' offensive staff was just horrible in that game. I mean, it was fireable. They were so bad. Um, I really didn't think the Browns were that good. Last week, I bet the Browns played better than the Steelers for three quarters and then let them back in. And that just tells you there's not a gritty team. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson hasn't looked good. I like the Ravens. You're going to give me the Ravens. You're going to give me two and a half points. I get the better team. I'm taking the better team. The team I think is going to win the game outright. I like the Ravens outright as an underdog winning this game. I like the Ravens too, uh, but I am concerned with the injury issues, Bo. Uh, yeah. that, that to me is the thing that holds me back. Uh, yeah. I get I that. Would not I get put, that. I would not put money on this game personally because I don't know what Ravens team is going to show yeah, up. I won't play this game either. Um, but in this scenario, I will uh, take Baltimore here, as uh, Bo does too. Uh, all right, next up on the uh, slate, Falcons and Jags in London. The Jags favored by three. Bo, uh, both these teams, I would argue, are pretty desperate right now. Yeah, but one of them is a, is a much better team than the other. Tell me which one it is. Oh, it's Jacksonville. No, it's not. It's Atlanta. Atlanta's going to cover and win this game. The Falcons are going to win this game. Give me the Falcons. The run game, they're going to destroy this team. This, They're going to win this game by a touchdown. Give me the Falcons going to London and beating Jacksonville. I mean, did, I, I have did done with week? Jacksonville. I have done with Jacksonville. That team is not a good team. And they are defensively they're not good. The quarterback's not good right now. They're they're not getting any help in the, with the run game. I I've told the, the Falcons the direct opposite. The Falcons have a run game who can they'll, they'll, they'll be able to run the clock and use six the points last week, Bo. Six. I'm telling you, watch what watch. I'm telling you, don't take it one week at a time. Look at the big picture. Jacksonville's a bad football team. The Falcons are improving. Give me the Falcons. Improving? Just just trust me. Uh, but I like this so much that if I am going to play this game, I am taking the Falcons on the money line. Uh, Bo, uh, I'm, I couldn't be on two opposite more ends of the spectrum here. Like, I, I'm looking at this Jags team and and the Falcons. I, I, last week should have been an opportunity to make a statement against Detroit. And I understand it's a week-to-week league. But they just laid an egg last week. Jags are desperate. I'm taking every day Lawrence over Ritter. I, I'm I'll go with uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jags to win this one here. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we move on. Uh, here we go. The last game on the slate: Monday Night Football, Seahawks Giants. Now this one's been tinkering. Uh, it's bounced every way on the line. Where we have it on our slate is Giants one and a half. We've seen it already. It opened with the Seahawks favored. The Giants then went favored. I believe it's, you know, a pick them right now. It's been all over the place. Vegas trying to get everybody's money. The Giants at one and a half. What do you think about that line uh, there where, where, the, where this was at in our pick them here? What do you think, Bo? 
Well, I like Seattle first off, and I like them to win. Um, I'm seeing Seattle plus one right now, um, but I'll take one and a half, and I get I like the better team. Give me the better. I know it's on the road, but the Giants have not put together a full game yet. I like what Seattle's doing. I like it's all, but it is tough to go West Coast to East Coast. And I think that's a big play in why the Giants are the favorite is those West Coast teams coming all the way over. But it's the Monday night game. I think it's going to be a little easier for the Seahawks than, you know, say it be Sunday at one. Right. The Seahawks are about to have a bye week, too. Yeah. So I'm taking Seattle here. I also like Seattle on the money line. I think they're going to win this game. I like Seattle here, too. Uh, I, I got to say, I really liked Bo the way they responded after that Rams game to, you know, get the win on the road, that gritty win against Detroit in overtime. And then last week, they started out a little sluggish against Carolina and they finished strong. Uh, Pete Carroll's talked a lot about the last couple of days, that ability to finish football games and the, and the way that they've come along compared to where they were week one. I mean, that's a, that's that's a sign of a team heading in the right direction. The way they've been finishing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. I just I, I really like the Seattle team a lot. I think that they're a team who's got a chance. Uh, it's an outside chance, but it's a chance in the West. Uh, they're yeah. going to have to do some work against the 49ers in those two games they're playing. And, and the Giants are a different team without Saquon. We don't know. Yeah, they are, and they're just not. Daniel Jones looks like he's regressed. He really doesn't look good. And and I really I'm a guy who likes him, but he has not looked good in the first first three games. Tom brought this up earlier in the show, and, and I'll mention this real quick. He said, "Okay, you got the Giants paying what is it forty forty five million for Daniel Jones? How much better off right now if they had spent that money elsewhere and had a guy like let's say Baker for four and a half million instead? But he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. Oh, stop, stop, worst. horrible." I'll take Derek Carr over him. I do not like Baker Mayfield. Now, to your point about $40 million on Daniel Jones, that's the cost of doing business now, quarterback. And I know Baker's your guy, but he played like horse's ass this weekend. He's not a good quarterback. So that's a bad a bad comparison. But to say, what if you went down a step to maybe a Geno Smith? Geno's making like 35. Yeah. I mean, again, that's kind of cost of doing business. I could see the go to someone like a Geno Smith or someone like that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, saying something that's temporary. I yeah, I think that there's a reason that Baker Mayfield is playing for the Bucks in a bad situation on a bad team, that kind of thing. Um, but I do see the point there. I just wonder if I look at it now that that's the cost of doing business at quarterback. It's forty million. To have one that can play, one that's good, and they like Daniel Jones there. And I, I think he's kind of he's looked like he's taking a step back this season. But we're also now in week four, so I still don't think we're going to know a lot about some of these teams for another couple, three more weeks. I think week seven, week eight, we're going to know more about teams. But I, I see where Thomas where, where Thomas' point is. I don't disagree with the idea. But to look at being like a championship team, you're going to have to spend money on the quarterback. It's just too important. I mean, I would take Baker over Daniel Jones as is, 
But then you factor in the money situation, 40 versus 4.5, that's an easy call for me. I wouldn't take Baker Mayfield on my team, period. Oh, that, you're, you're missing out on the experience, you know. I, mean, I wouldn't want him anywhere near my team. I wouldn't want him as a backup. I wouldn't want him in the quarterback room. I wouldn't want him on the shuffleboard court. I wouldn't want him in the clubhouse. As Frank Costanza would say, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. He's um, a winner, Bo. You, he's you, not you, a winner. He's an absolute loser in the NFL. He's, he's had one exceptional game that was a high-profile game two seasons ago in Arrowhead, and we're judging him. People who, like yourself, who love him are judging him because of that still. He ain't been that since. He's not that. He's just not. The year prior, took him to the playoffs. I mean, took it. He's not a good quarterback. Into the postseason, there, took losers. If he's the so winner. good, why did Tampa give him four million bucks for one year? Took a risk. They didn't have much money to spend. They needed a quarterback. Why didn't he get something somewhere else? Why did nobody want to pay him more than four million dollars? He could have taken more money elsewhere. He wanted to be a star. Who was going to make him a starter? Not many teams, but. They're missing out. You know, Baker's no, doing it. He's, he's fine. There's a lot of issues in Tampa right there's now. There's a lot of Baker issues in my team, one of them. But when he completes a pass right now, it's because Mike Evans is butt-naked wide open. And if he doesn't throw the ball to a butt-naked wide open guy, it ain't getting completed. There's a lot of issues in Tampa, but Baker's there not. Are. There are. He's one of them. I, I don't think so. I think Ooh, he's bad. They're bad. He's he's throwing what about sixty seven percent completion percentage, four touchdowns, only one pick. Baker's fine. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I I digress uh, from this uh, this hater who uh, is is so biased against Baker and, and uh, his you know his antics. Worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Stop! No, that's not true. That's name that's one absolutely better. not true. Name one. I, I can't name one worse. Daniel Jones, Derek yeah. Carr. Nah, he, you know I'm no Derek Carr apologist. I take him over Jordan Love. I, Jordan I Love. keep doing this all day. Anyways, I'll take, I'll take all three. To of the NFL them. news of the day we go uh, before yeah, Bo sure. keeps ridiculous saying his ridiculous nonsense. Um, Zeke making his return to Dallas uh, this week uh, in a Patriot uniform. Uh, I'll say this: Zeke's looked all right. With uh, with New England, Cowboys run game hasn't looked the same. Do the Cowboys miss Zeke right now? Is that a stretch? No, I think that's a stretch. I I mean the the, the biggest problem the Cowboys offense has. We talked about this on my pod this week. I really went in on Mike McCarthy this week because I thought his play calling was just awful this week. Um, they don't run the ball enough. If you look at the Cowboys, you can look at last season and this season. When the Cowboys win, they run the ball more times than Dak Prescott um, uh, attempts to throw. If Dak attempts to throw, his attempts are greater than the number of rushes in the game, the Cowboys have lost every game last year and this year, except for week one last year, where Dak had that big game. Other than that, the secret to the Dallas Cowboys is simply stop the run. Last week, they got behind and abandoned the run when they didn't have to. And that's something they did a lot last year that cost them. Yes, and and that's the issue. 
Mike McCarthy really in the second half, he didn't have to abandon the run till late in the fourth quarter. It was only an eight point game when they finally just, they finally had an opportunity to score. And then Dak throws the interception, you know, down by down the red zone. I, I look at it and go, I don't think that it's uh, losing Zeke. Now, I like Zeke, and I think that the Zeke and Pollard thing was really good last year. Um, what was predictable about it, unfortunately, was that when Zeke was in, they ran between the tackles, and when Pollard was in, it was either a counter or a little bit of a wider run because it was usually a longer possession. It was a third and six, and they ran the ball to, because they had everybody spread out. I like what the Cowboys have. I just think they use this week was a this past week was a real good example of Mike McCarthy not trusting his run game, his offensive line. So I don't think they miss Zeke. They miss a proper play call. I think they panicked. I think they panicked a lot last week. I really do. I think they panicked they were behind. But at no point were they down more than eight until late after they threw the pick and the quick touchdown made it 12. But that they was were clearly caught off guard by that performance of the Cardinals being there the way they were. Yeah, I, I'm not too bothered. I, again, I think a lot of that had to do with how that game was coached and how that game was called. I don't think they had a very good game plan. No, I don't think they did either. But I think they abandoned their game plan very early. I think they panicked when they got down in that game. Yeah, I think they panicked and thought that they could just throw the ball around and they were a better team. And they are a better team. But they thought they were going to, the Cowboys did, thought they were just going to throw it down the field, make it up really quickly. It isn't who they're built to be. The, the, the secret to the Dallas Cowboys is to run the football. Yeah. And they run it. And then Dak gets those big plays. I do, you know, we had the Dak Prescott rule. You and I have had it for a couple of years now. I did, but yes. Yeah, you had it, and I've adopted it. I think we should rename it. I really think that you can't trust him to go win a game. I think that he's I think he's a good enough quarterback when they run the ball. Right. But I can't trust him to go win the game. I yeah. think I was looking at this week. I think I have to go back and re-rank it and say – Okay, that line's now above him. Okay, well then, let's just play this scenario for a second. Let's, for all intents and purposes, the Cowboys get the same result they've always had of a divisional or a wild card round exit. Dak puts up solid numbers, does his thing, you know, but they go home again in the same exact situation. Then, by that point, if you're Jerry Jones, do you say enough is enough and we go get another quarterback, whether a draft quarterback or go get another veteran? Is is that – if you're Jerry and we say that's the line, is that – is if that's the end result, is now the time to make that change? It's a really good question, and I don't know the answer. Well, I mean, aren't you answering your question? If that's the line, then aren't you saying you have to make a change? I think that he's below the line now. I don't think he's played well. But I also don't think that McCarthy calls a good offensive game plan when he panics. And I think that's hard. Look, I think the bigger problem here than Dak's performance, which, again, I don't think was good last week. I mean, he had two 
bad interceptions. But I think a bigger problem is Mike McCarthy's play calling when the plan doesn't go to plan. If if they let's the scenario I, I painted there, if it's another wild card or divisional round exit, McCarthy's gone, right? Absolutely, yeah. He's. I, I think they've got to make at least the conference championship game. I, I would guess, Bo. My my. Let's let's say that that's the line. If they get back to the division round, wild card round, and that's it, McCarthy's gone, and then Dak's got one more shot by yeah. himself of like, hey, the scapegoat this past year was Kellen Moore. The scapegoat this year is Mike McCarthy, yeah. and then next year Dak would be his chance to be the scapegoat. I, I, can, I agree with that. I think I would be kind of – I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised for the scenario to go your way, as you're saying there. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see the scenario flip over to um, they let both go. I would be surprised if they moved on from both. I think they would choose one or the other. I, I tend to think you're right, but it would not totally surprise me. Now, I do think Dak still got another year on his contract, doesn't he? Yes. Okay. Then that tells me that your idea of, yeah, McCarthy goes, they don't get what they want to share. I think that's pretty well established. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, so. If somebody might step in and really like Dak Prescott and say maybe in a trade situation, give him an extension, that kind of thing. I don't think that's likely, but we could see that. Um, I think it's more likely that your scenario pops up of it's McCarthy one year, it's Dak the next. If Jerry really has a, a wild fur up his ass and says, Hey, I got to make some major over over overhauls, and maybe he's got to play for someone he really likes at quarterback. Maybe he does both, but it would have to be he has a plan, right? And I don't know that there's someone out there that you're going to grab. I mean, like it's not going to be Kirk Cousins, do that kind of thing. Yeah. Speaking right. of coaches and and uh, potential breakups here. Um, Sean Payton and uh, Denver, not off to a very good start to the Sean Payton era. He and Russ are clearly not on the same page at all. That team looks like a dumpster fire. Um, I'm sure Sean Payton's ready to just blow this thing up. Like, it's it's clear that he and Russ are, are not a good pairing right now. Yeah, Russ is not listening to him. Now, that's not their biggest problem. That defense is and they were supposed to be decent. Yeah, that defense is not They were thrilled to bring in Vance Joseph, and yes. he sucks. They've not been good at all. Um, that's been one of Sean Payton's MOs over the years, is that he's focused, hyper-focused on the offense, and he's gone and gotten somebody to be the defensive guy, and he's just turned that over to somebody. It looks like what he did with Vance Joseph, and – yeah, there's room for improvement. Clearly, you're not going to get much worse than giving up 70. But offensively, they can't run the ball. Russ can't throw the football. I don't know how this is going to work. I, this week, I thought Russ, I don't think he was just an abstract, terrible player this week. I watched a little bit of that game. But he didn't help the situation whatsoever. And I just don't know what can be done to, to save this at some point. 
Like the Broncos are now so bad, they're in talk to be the number one team. They're 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 going to be a, a, a two and fifteen, three and fourteen team. I was well, looking through their schedule earlier in the week, and I see a couple of opportunities for wins, but not many. Well, and think about this too, like as far as their path to get back up, like. 0-3, their season's pretty much over as is. They're going to be bad. They're going to have a bad record. Yeah. Um, but to get out of this hole in the future is going to be very messy between Russ's contracts and, you know, some of the other guys, you know, between the Jerry Judys and the Cortland Suttons and all of them in the world. And, and you know, they, they'd given up that draft capital, Seattle. I think they got – I think they have draft picks now uh, in the future. But – I mean, you talk about like the dead cap potential and all that. Just because you move on from Russ or, or whoever and you bring in Sean Payton's guys doesn't mean that you could are going to be necessarily any even any better next year. That's a long road ahead they have to get back, get to where they want to go. If this isn't it right now. Yeah. So I'm looking at Russ's contract right now. I mean, he's locked in for two years. I mean, they'll have to have someone want to take them, take Russell Wilson off their hands. And who would want to? And who would want – I mean, exactly. Who would want that? Problem? I mean, even if it wasn't just the money thing, just talent-wise. Yes. Who yeah, would want Russ to be their starting quarterback right now? He's not a good quarterback right now. He's he is, not really worthy of being a starting quarterback no. for a good team. It, it, let's not even talking about the money factor. Just yeah. the talent. The talent yes. is the issue. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. I think that – and that's not – I mean, that's compounded by the contract. Right. So, I mean, because like you can go on, and even if it was like a $20 million dead money cap, you, you could take it. But you can't do that on Russ. Russ is $85 million to get out this uh, this year, this next year, the offseason. He's just under 50 the following year. The worst thing they did was the extension. Yeah. And it's or just, he'd never even taken a snap. Yeah. I mean, it's just a horrible situation. And Sean Payton had to know coming in that he's married to Russell Wilson. This is a marriage. And I don't know that it's going to be, certainly doesn't look a good one so far. Russell's looked bad. I mean, bad, bad. The defense is no good. Um, I don't even know where you start on making moves with that Broncos team. I mean, it would be, I mean, really, I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, I don't know where the hell you start. I mean, the easiest way to, to do something with that roster is to try to get rid of Russell Wilson, but no one's taking him. No. And it's not like a baseball contract where you can buy the money and go, hey, here's half the $85 million ticket can't it's right. a cap hit right and it just i mean you can't take an 85 million dollar cap hit what what they honestly need is someone to hit russell wilson with a car i mean that's uh <laughs> that got dark quick but uh i mean that's they, they, hit that motherfucker with a car that's the only way call, to get out of this deal and then call henry rocks yeah I, I mean it's just i I don't know how they get through this. And the bad thing is, let's say they do go 2-15 and 15 and they end up with the number one pick. 
you know, they can't draft Caleb Williams. Not with paying Russell this much money. I mean, they, they, have, to they have no they have to, around They it. would have to trade that pick. Yeah. I mean, that's what – so if you're, a, if you're a fan of a team, then you would like to get Caleb Williams. Be rooting for Denver to get that pick because they can't take it. And you're not even as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. is. You can't take him. Because if you let Caleb Williams go, it's goodbye, all your goodwill with anyone, any of your fan base. I mean, I don't know. It did you see now speaking of Caleb Williams, did you see the thing his father said? No. Two weeks ago about, you know, hey, he doesn't have to go pro. Oh, I did see that, yes. Yeah, and, and in the, the name of NIL and everything going on, he's at USC. He's in California. He's in L.A. He's making a load of money. I wouldn't be surprised. It, it, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened, if a really bad team had that number one pick and Caleb Williams said, nope, I'm staying. Yeah, and, and we've heard rumblings about Shador is likely to stay at Colorado. I mean, this might have, we, we might have reached our peak on guys leaving early and see things start to dwindle back down. Yeah. You know, I, and, and, and I like Shador Sanders, but I don't think he's that good a prospect yet for an NFL quarterback. I, I think a lot of that has been those first few weeks of Colorado playing really well. I'm not sure. I think he makes some really smart decisions with the ball, but I'm not sure that he's right now worthy of like a, a top five, top ten. Pick yeah, right Mel's now. got him like as the number three quarterback right now. Yeah, I I like the um, the young man from Washington. It's Penix, Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix yeah. Jr. I like him a lot. Um, so much so that I think he can steal the Heisman Trophy also from Caleb Williams this year because they're going to play each other, and he's going to be my beat. Um. Penix has been great. The, 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 the knock on Penix is going to be he's not as big. He's got a good arm. He reads the plays really well, but he's left-handed. But I think the Tua thing kind of helps. How Tua's played is going to help that argument. Yeah. A little. Um, so, I like him back. Let's circle back. One more thing. Yeah, I didn't tell them. Move back. Move college football here. Yeah, yeah, let's go back. Are you finally ready to admit that Brock Purdy's a good quarterback? Okay. I watched the Thursday game real close. Second half, Brock Purdy played like a good quarterback, like a really good quarterback in yes. the second half. In the first half, he played like trash. He missed throws left and right. He was not good in the first half. Now, I'm going to say this. The second half, much improved. It was like two different players in that game Thursday night. What I'll say on this, and I've kind of lightened my stance a little bit on this, what helps is that, okay, I think we're going to see weeks coming up. We talk a lot about this in my podcast. This week. We went deep into this whole Brock Purdy thing. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. I knew you'd ask. I think that what we're going to see is we're going to see a couple of games in the next month where the 49ers are going to try to trust Brock Purdy and throw the ball too much. What I mean by too much is the 49ers, like the Cowboys, are a run-based team. They run the ball better than everyone. they got an incredible offensive line, and there's an offense 
they've bought in in a really unique way to how they run the ball. And, and I'll give you an example. They have the best left tackle of a generation. Okay. Yeah. Trent Williams. And they love to run, not to the left side, but the right side. They run a lot of counter, and they like to use Williams in those counter and pull plays as a lead blocker. You could almost never get a left tackle to do that. Usually your left tackle is to be the pass blocking, keep the edge rusher off your quarterback. The 49ers don't use the left tackle that way because they're not a throw-first offense. They know there's a limitation to Brock Purdy. Now, they're going to find out over the next month, and and I'm looking at two to three games coming up, where they're going to figure out and they're going to try to let Brock Purdy air the ball out more. One of them is this week against Arizona. Then they have the Cowboys next week. That won't be one of those games. They'll get back to just running the football and manhandling people. Then they have two games in a row, Cleveland and the Vikings. I expect against the Vikings for them to just air it out all around the town. Here's my reason. The game after the Cardinals and Vikings games, at home against the Cowboys, at home against the Bengals, what you've got to then do is put some tape of Brock Purdy throwing the football so that now your defenses in these good games are going to be worried and concerned about both the passing game and the run game. So look against the lower competition Purdy's going to, the 49ers are going to try to see if Purdy can do this. If Purdy has a good game this week, if he has a good game in three weeks against the Vikings, that will be extremely helpful for the 49ers, and it will tell me that they are starting to trust him. But when I watched the game Thursday night this past week, I looked at it and I went, okay, in the first half, they tried to throw the ball too much. Purdy was missing throws it. Really, no quarterback misses. Baker misses sometimes. But but Purdy missed a lot of throws. And it was four or five that were bad. And the 49ers, that game, if you look, that game was close at halftime. The second half, they started running the ball more. And then when they did throw, it was against different looks. And Purdy was more accurate. I think that the 49ers know that he has shortcomings, but they're going to try to see if they can expand him. We're going to know in a month if he's a better quarterback than you think. I saw some things in the second half of the game I really liked. And it surprised me because the first half of the game, he was not good at all. Yeah. But again, second half, I thought he played fantastic. A lot of that got back to the run. It just tells me that they know what they have. They don't quite trust him. They don't trust him to be 40 attempts a game. And that's been my argument on Brock Purdy. The reason it's worked is that as a whole offensive scheme, they're not built to throw the ball like that. But, I mean, at the same time, what I hear all the time, Bo, is that you say that, hey, you need to – you don't need to be running 40 times a game that you need to establish the run and run the football here. Like you can't have it both ways. No, no, what I'm saying is you have to be able to run the football. You have to run the football. 
The 49ers do it better than everybody. Right. What I'm saying about those particular games coming up, the one against the Cardinals this week, the one in three weeks against the Vikings, that's where I think that the 49ers are going to look at those games and go, look, this is lower competition. We can beat these two teams. We could even keep this game close and then win it the second half. What we need to see is if Brock Purdy can be 40 attempts guy. Now, I don't think he can be right now. That doesn't mean he can't be in the future. I'm just not convinced right now he is, and I'm convinced of it right now because they don't think he is. They're going to try, and they may be right. We just don't have the evidence yet. So I think where people are saying, you know, he's good. He's not bad because they don't need him to be. They don't need him to be what Joe Burrow was on Monday night. Yeah. What Patrick Mahomes is. That's not what their offense is. Yeah. You know, it's like Lamar Jackson is not 40 dropbacks a game. Sure. Brock Purdy doesn't have to be 40 dropbacks but if you can get him to do it once in a while, now you put something on tape that a defensive coach is going to go, oh, holy shit, now we can't sell it against the run. Right, right. We're going we to move on. Yeah. Um, so now we'll move on to the college football side of things. Uh, Colorado gets up for their first loss. They didn't play that great against Oregon last week. Obviously, we're down 35 nothing. Um I'm very curious how this Colorado team responds from here. Obviously, they have the ultimate motivator, but they haven't dealt with adversity like this. And and how they react to me is going to be a very fascinating storyline. This week, playing USC, you got some other game, tough games coming up, teams like Utah and others here. Um, we, we've seen how they, they've played when they've won. Now, can Dion? ride the ship of, of through this adversity here. What do you, what do you think is going to happen with Colorado here these next few weeks? Okay. So uh, the next couple of weeks, I mean, they look, they've got a, they got a huge game against USC. USC should be one of the best two or three teams in the country. Pardon me. They have the best player in the country, the best quarterback in the country, and their offense is going to just annihilate teams, but sure. their defense is bad. And that should give Colorado the opportunity to come and make the, the, the fight back and to be in this game. Um, that's why I picked Colorado plus the points. But coming up, they didn't have some kind of get-right games, Arizona State and Stanford. But in the backside, they got to go to UCLA, get another high-scoring team. you got to play Oregon State. And the last two, at Washington State, at Utah. At, U- U- at Utah is going to be a tough game for anybody. Yeah. Um, I think the thing we have to keep in mind with Colorado is what was the original expectation of this team? I think the ultimate goal was get to a bowl game. Yeah, and I think they'll get there. I think so, too. I think that we got so far ahead in how good they played against TCU, scoring all those points in TCU. What we didn't think about was TCU scored 42 points in that game. Right. And – they didn't know have any tape to look at. They didn't know what Dion was going to throw at, what Coach Prime had for him. Nebraska's is not a very good team. Colorado State did had an incredible game plan. Right. And that was a really great game. We've all been complimentary of that. 
Oregon, good defense, good offense, a good team. I mean, that's a top 10 team for a reason. I think the thing is the expectation is look, you got a your team that's three and one. You're gonna be three and two after this week. You win the next two, you're sitting at five and two. You're gonna have you got Arizona later in a few weeks. That's gonna give you a sixth win. You're gonna have to catch one. UCLA, Oregon State, Washington, and Utah. You gotta catch one. And then you're a seven-win team. And that's far and away better than what the expectation coming in was. Right. We just got so far out ahead of our skis on how good this team was and the hype because of how they looked week one and because it's Coach Prime and he's a big name and we want to follow that. It's time to be reasonable about the expectation, but we're not reasonable people, you know, as as an overall thing, as fans. It's time to be reasonable. Plus, right now, the Pac-12, they got five ranked teams that are all really good. Yeah. They're, they're, they got three teams that they will compete for the playoffs, if not four. So it it to me, it's like have a reasonable expectation. There was at no point that I go, well, should they Sanders should be a Heisman candidate or the number one pick in the draft? And that they're just gonna go out and blow people out. Even last week when we picked that game. Why did we both we both pick Colorado? Yeah. Why we pick? We didn't pick them to win. We said, "Look, twenty-one points is a lot of points." Right. Same thing this week. We said, hey, "Twenty-one is a lot of points." Because that was the same line of the TCU game. Yeah. So I again, I don't think that it's damning that they've lost that, that they lost that game last week. I think they didn't play well. Right. I, but, I I don't disagree with anything you said, but what I asked was like. I'm very curious how they respond, yeah. what that locker room is going to well, be like. Like, how do you keep that attitude, that confidence going when you've been hitting the mouth like this? That, that's a great question. And, and, and I don't know. I think you just have to go out there and play as hard as you can. And I think that Coach Prime's going to figure that out. This is going to be a really tough coaching week for Prime. And the reason being is that this is a really good team coming. But the thing you can hang your hat on if you're Colorado is you're going to put points on the board. You will. Yes, they you will, will put this points week. on the board this week. And that's what you can go in there and say. Say, look, they're going to come in here. They're going to score a lot of points. And we're going to score a lot of points. And it's going to be a goddamn shootout. Um, and, and think that's, what the expect, that, that's how you do the expectation piece to coach here. Right. Is they play us into a situation well, we're in a one-score game late. Uh, let's go to Michigan State. Mel yeah. Tucker's out officially. Um, I, I I thought he was treated very unfairly, and you could see the writing on the wall a few weeks ago that we were all, we were going to get to this point. Uh, Michigan State looking to get out of a bad contract. They fire him for cause. Um, Bo, uh, what what do you make of uh, everything that's unfolded here at uh, Michigan State and? Them going this uh, direction here. All right, look, this is not a good look for anybody, but it's clear. I'm going to say this this way, and I'm going to get some flack for it, but it's clear that Mel Tucker is right. Yep. He was fired because they didn't like the contract, and this is my thing. Look, I don't agree with what he did. He did something that's really kind of embarrassing and silly. Correct. And obviously, the 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 lady involved was not very happy. 
But if this was reported and everything I've read, this investigation has been going on since January. And the investigation closed in March? Yes. And it wasn't brought back up to the to the lady brought it to public in August. Right. So when that information came out, this was clearly Michigan State saying, this is our way out of that contract. That's what they're trying to push. And there was talk about, you know, even two weeks ago, there was talk about they're going to have a new coach and this is what's going to happen. They're not going to get this contract. This is this is going to go, this is going to be a lengthy lawsuit. I mean, if I'm Mel Tucker, I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. I'm either going to win this thing or I'm going to lose this thing, but I'm not settling. Not unless you put up. Look, he's owed 70. He shouldn't settle for less than 50. And I don't think he's going to, gonna, I don't think he's going to lose. I think he's going to get paid 70 million bucks when it's all said and done, minus his lawyer fees. Well, because they, they're not, they're trying to fire him for cause for something that was gone. It was done. Right. They should have, if they, this was the problem, this incident, they should have fired him in March. Correct. Um, now, with this with Mel Tucker, like, I think he's a very good coach. He, mm-hmm. he was a winner at, at Colorado for his short stint there. Uh, he was off to a good start at Michigan State. They gave him that money for a reason. I think it's kind of similar to Chris Beard, you know, the the uh, basketball coach that, uh, you know, he had that situation there at Texas. He gets fired for cause um, and, you know, kind of clears his name to an extent. Charges were criminal charges and all that were dropped. And months later, he's already the head coach at Ole Miss like that. I think with Mel Tucker, I know there's some legal stuff going on and they're going to have to figure that out. But I can't imagine him being unemployed very long. Like I, I could very well see him being a, a power five coach again as early as next year. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a coach again. And, and and the issue now is just him getting paid. I mean, that's, You're that's right. this point. It's just we got to get paid. And, and he might sit out a year because, because he legal might want to say, hey, you need to figure out your legal stuff first. Yeah. But he will be a power five coach again, I think. I agree. I and I think it's likely he is out for a year for the legal stuff. But after that, he's gonna get a job. He's gonna get a job somewhere. He does he go does he go to the Nick Saban rehab school for, for football coaches? If Nick Saban's even coaching next year. That's another thing. So but you can go there later too. But um yeah, I think that again, I think Mel Tucker's the winner in this deal. I think he's gonna end up winning it. And I think it's a bad look for Michigan State. Um, and I think in the end, he's going to be fine. He's going to make his money. He's going to get his money he's owed. And he's going to be somewhere where he want, where he's wanted at some point. Last thing, uh, we'll end on this. Uh, I was talking to Luke about this earlier. Um, here we are four or five weeks into the college football season. And I don't know if there's one dominant team. Uh, you know, we saw that from, you know, Georgia was the dominant team last year. The year prior to that, Georgia and Alabama were pretty equal. Um, this year, Georgia looks a step down. They're still very good, obviously. Um, you know, we mentioned some of the teams up top. You know, Michigan's very good, but I, I think Michigan's beatable. Ohio State's certainly beatable. Um, you know, you, you look across the board here, Texas, who 
I think there's still more to figure out with them. Like, I think we have the most parity in college football we've seen in, in quite some time. Are you buying that? Yeah, I am. And I think that what's crazy is, like, if I were going to do the rankings right now, I'm looking at the top 10 right now, there's a few of these teams I would have higher. And I think that Texas is a legit shot at being the top, a number one team. I mean, like, they have a – they're steady at it. They went they just went 35 points every week. They have the best-looking wins so far against Alabama. I think that Florida State wins every week. Got the second-best win this year, beating LSU. The team I want to see in a big game is coming. I want to see Washington. I want to see Washington against USC. I want to see Washington and Oregon. Washington, Oregon, and Washington, USC, those three teams – Someone's going to the playoffs. Someone could backdoor into the playoffs and cause trouble for somebody. But all three of those teams are really good. And I don't think it's crazy to say that Washington should be a top five team. Like you know, it would be in my top five. In college basketball, it, and it hit earlier than it did college football, just the pure numbers, the transfer portal became a big equalizer in college basketball. Are we starting to see that effect in college football now? In a way, yes. Um, the issue is, like in basketball, one player can make a huge difference in your roster. In football, it's hard for one player to be that, but you can go get four or five. Like, here's what I would compare it to, Bo. Go for it. Like, you know, pre-NIL era, Baylor is never winning a national title in basketball. No chance. And then what do you know? They won one pretty quick in the NIL era um, with the portal and all that. Washington, I feel like Washington football is comparable to Baylor basketball. Washington football would really realistically never be in a national title discussion. Could they win the Rose Bowl? Could they win the back 12? Sure. The national title? No. Now, like, would it be that stretch, much of a stretch right now to say, you know what, Washington, they got a great quarterback in Penix. They got a really good defense. They might have an outside shot. Maybe they could be college football's version of a Baylor, essentially. I agree. I Look, if I was the fear one team totally, right now to me it's Washington. I don't want to play USC because you got to score 50 points. I mean, you're right. going to score a bunch of beat them. But a good defense is going to cut them a little bit better. Ohio State's not as good as we thought. They just they're not consistent. Georgia hasn't looked great. I think Georgia's won because they've been one for two seasons. I think Michigan hasn't played great. We haven't seen the complete game from Michigan and Ohio State yet. Texas isn't been impressive, more impressive than I thought they would be. Um, Penn State's number six in one poll, seven in another. And they don't have a real impress, like a dominating win yet. They've beaten everybody, but there's not like a domination to it. And that's why I look at Washington and Oregon. And I go, they got impressive wins and they dominate teams. I, I just there's there's a lot of parity there. And then there's a couple of teams that could play themselves right back in. Look, the Alabama LSU winner in a couple of weeks can play their way right back into the playoff. Um, you know, Oklahoma is sitting at 4-0, and 
and you really haven't got any respect yet. They haven't played anybody big yet. But if Oklahoma beats Texas, they're in the argument, you know, all of a sudden for a playoff spot. I think we've got a lot of parity, and we got a long way to go. We're sitting here at the end of September, and we're trying to draw some conclusions, and we're not there yet. And I think we're not going to have a real good idea for about four more weeks. I think by the end of October, we're going to know who these, you know, five or six teams are. It's going to shake a little bit. All right, Bo, plug away. What's on the pod this week? We did a deep dive Uncle Rico and I into week three um, in the NFL. We went heavy on Brock Purdy. A lot of stuff we talked about with Brock Purdy, we went into a lot of that. We went even deeper uh, talking about the offense and what they're doing. We got really nerdy in that. Um, talked a lot about a couple of the quarterback situations in the NFL. A lot of NFL uh, NFL very heavy this week on the pot. So check it out. You get a lot of kind of my what I see during games. That's not just completions and interceptions and, and incompletions um, with quarterbacks. We talked a lot about quarterbacks and coaching this week. The, the, the kind of the the theme the theme this week is bad coaching and bad quarterback play in the NFL. There you go. He's Coach Bo, O'Connor Advisor Group, OHGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, thanks for your time as always. Talk to Thank you next time. Have a good week. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fullery story of the week. And Coach Bo is uh, going to stick around for uh, Tom Fullery this week to uh, give his thoughts on his uh, elderly advice uh, as the senior statesman, the Greg Cody of this show. Uh, we turn to him now to uh, – see what he has to say on uh, a couple of uh, viewer emails that have come in. Wait, wait, wait. Um, wait. May I stop say something here? Go ahead, yes. like the adjective of elderly. Senior <laughs> statesman is fine. Elderly, I'm not really. Greg Cody, fine? Greg Cody's fine. I like Greg Cody. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so a couple of emails. Uh, let's start off with this one. The subject line reads, my wife wants to stuff, stuff our dog when it dies, and I think she's nuts. Hey, guys, and good day. My name is Brian. I'm a longtime fan of the show, and I wanted to get your opinion on something if you have a few minutes. So my wife and I got a dog right after we got married 12 years ago, and he's on death's door. The vet told us the only humane thing to do is to put him down. And we're going to do so this Saturday. It's sad and I'm heartbroken, but the dog has been an amazing. I had an amazing life and is in pain. My wife is so devastated that she told me she never wants to get another dog. She wants to pay a taxidermist to stuff our dead one. And she wants him displayed in our bedroom. I thought she was joking, but she's dead serious. And I think she's lost her mind. My first question is, how do I get her to come to, back down to earth? And my second question is, how do I get her to come back to Earth? <laughs> Am I an insensitive jerk for not wanting to stuff my dead dog and display it in my bedroom? Sign, Brian. All right, Brian, your thoughts. Yeah. All right, look, um, first off, stuffing a dead dog, that's creepy to me. I, <laughs> I'm, look, I'm, that's weird. I... <laughs> And here's why it's different than like an animal you hunt. You know, you go kill a deer and they you had a relationship with this animal. You have a relation, your dog. I mean, you wouldn't stuff like you wouldn't stuff your 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 uncle 
or your your father or your brother, you know, why would you do that with your dog? I don't get that. I I've had dogs that I absolutely loved, and you know, I, and I love my buddy Archie right now and Chipper and and no, and Archie, my dog Archie's actually old. He's ten years old now. He's not gonna be around much much longer. But I would be very creeped out by my deceased dog being stuffed and put in my bedroom. I'm with I'm old team Brian here. Um, how do you get that across to the wife? That's the important question. I have a theory in my relationship, and here's what I do. I don't argue a lot with my wife. I I live by the creed of happy wife, happy life. Like I really, and you know my wife, Jen. She's a sweetheart. And Jen's very easy going too. And she is very easy going. And I and and but we also like if we disagree on something. The majority of the time, like if she says she wants to do something, I really don't want to do it. I let her have her way. Sure. I really don't put my foot down. Because when I do feel strongly about something, I can say, babe, I, and I'll say like, I'll say, babe, I feel really strongly about this. And when I do that, well, she understands that I've probably thought about it in a way she hasn't yet. And if I feel pretty strong about it, I usually get my way but it's because I don't do it often. That's the problem. So if old dude is saying, and in Brian's case, Brian's his name, I should remember that. Um, if Brian has a problem with not his wife not understanding, it's because he's probably asked for too much shit in his life and not been a really good husband for the last number of years. So quit asking for bullshit, guys, first off. Just... Let her have her way the majority of the time. When you feel strongly about it, then you get your you get your you get your way. Now for the dog thing, that's creepy as fuck to me. I just would not do that in a hundred years. I would not stuff my dog and have my dog in my house. Maybe somewhere that's cool, and maybe somewhere else feels differently. But your dog is like my dog is my friend. Like he's. When I come home, Archie gets in my lap and I pet him and I hug him and you know, we we have things that like I don't want that when I lose him, I lose that. All right. And I think just seeing him stuffed would be weird. Uh I all right, Bo. I have one potential compromise idea because Okay, let's hear it. With marriage comes compromise sometimes. Absolutely. This would be the one compromise I could I could think of that might be somewhat reasonable. You could say, you know what, hon? Fine. You can stuff that dog, but it is not going to be in this house. Like, it can go be maybe, like, in the storage shed or, you know, if we got a storage unit, you know, uh, across town, whatever, whatever it may be. But I don't want that in my daily sight point of view where I'm going to see it every day. Maybe you want to have your moment where, like, you go to the storage shed or something like, and you could have that time to, like, look at the dog and remember the good times and all that. But that, to me, is the line that's way too far is, I can't be waking up every day thinking about my dead dog right in front of me. Yeah, that's that's well put. I, I don't know that I would even go that far. Like, I, I get that we all grieve differently. Sure. But... 
again, if you, if you lose a loved one, you don't stuff them and put them in a corner in your bedroom. <laughs> and I don't see how it's any different. Because like at my house, our dogs are family members. They have Christmas stockings and everything. We buy them presents for their birthdays, all that stuff. I'm not stuffing the dog and having him in the house. I will at some point lose our dogs. And when that happens, I will be sad and I will mourn. But just like when I mourn the loss of a family member or a friend, you leave them at the cemetery. All right. Next email. Uh, this uh, this one, by the way, I forgot to mention, Brian spelled his name the same way as you, with a Y as well. Um, so, uh, That's how you're supposed to spell it, with a Y. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this next one, it uh, comes in from Johnny. Uh, <laughs> and based on this, uh, this headline, I wonder if it was Johnny Appleseed writing this. Johnny writes, is apple picking a good first date? Hey guys, uh, my name is Johnny. I'm a longtime listener and really big fan of the show. I was hoping you could give me some first date advice if you have a few minutes uh, today. So I have a first date coming this Saturday, and she told me she wants to plan the entire day and be surprised, which, a lot, which is wants me to plan the day and be surprised, which is a lot of pressure. I feel like she's testing my dating skill or something. Anyway, my ex-girlfriend loved going apple and pumpkin picking, which I never loved, but would go to make her happy. So I thought I would plan a day apple picking with her and then take her out to dinner afterwards. I asked my sister about this date, and she said it's a really intense day, and if the apple picking doesn't go well, the dinner is just going to be really awkward. Plus, the apple picking is about an hour from where we live, and it could be a really bad car ride home if you realize you don't like each other. Does my sister have a point, or should I just go for it with the apple picking? Signed, Johnny. First off, Bo, uh, I got to say, red flag immediately when he says, my ex-girlfriend loved apple picking. Yeah, I didn't you know, I didn't hear that until you said that. They didn't put it together, but yes. Um, the apple picking idea is unique. Um, I don't think that's a bad idea. I, I've never done it. At yeah. the same time, no pumpkin patch or something like that, I would assume. Uh, again, kind of easy, an easy kind of date kind of thing. I get that. Um, an hour drive each way, I can see that being an issue as well. Yeah. So I, I see that part. Um, there has to be a better way. You got to plan your time better than um, an hour drive each way. And then again, that's, I think you said it right, the red flag there on my ex-girlfriend like this. She's your ex for a reason, bud. That's right. That's right. So you leave those habits behind and go to a new experience. Yeah. Uh, and I see you uh, hit your uh, glass of wine there. I'll tell you that, you know, a great one is to go to like a winery or something like that. Yeah. That's a great place to go for a first date. And if the woman doesn't drink, well, then you don't want to be with her anyway. Uh, I always feel like the first date, a good call is do something simple, just make for coffee or something, and yeah. then like see if there's chemistry and if she's worth investing in a, an apple picking. I think date. like a Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon date is a really good idea. I think it's unique. Is no pressure. Yeah. If it's if it's a if it's a good match, then you can say, hey, you know what? I've had a good time. Would you like to go do something else tonight? Right. 
and then you can continue. And if it's not a good time, you can say, well, I just I didn't waste a Saturday night on this one. Right. And she doesn't waste Saturday night on you. Exactly. Um, I'll say this. I never actually went on a date doing this, but for our Kansas audience, highly recommend. Ironically enough, didn't go on a date, but I did take my sister actually here once. Um, the uh, the cider mill in uh, Lewisburg. Yes. Very fun like yeah. afternoon outing yeah that's a good one that's a, that's a that's a good one that's that's the kind of thing that is a good idea um again i think the, there's plenty of places out here in kansas we got a few other different wineries that i think are really good ideas um i think things like that are unique and they're better than the lazy you know dinner in a movie or dinner in a club or something like that you know, something where you're doing something and you're having some kind of activity together and there's something about being outside as well. Yes. Uh, especially if you can enjoy nice weather. I, I like, that's a great idea. I'm not a, again, I've been married for a long time. I don't worry about dates anymore. But when we do like date night, occasionally we'll do an afternoon thing. And those are always more fun. Yeah. Always. Um. Well, and then like two, you know, if you're, if the goal is uh, you're trying to get to the biscuit, uh, <laughs> in the words of a Bruce Arian, no risk it, no biscuit. Um, <laughs> with the goal in mind of. I don't uh, think that's what AB had in, in his mind when he said that. <laughs> Shout out Bruce Arians. Um, wouldn't. I don't. I can't even get the words out of my mouth now. Uh, but with the idea in mind of getting the biscuit, from from my experience, those those day dates or the the outdoor activities, like they kind of speed up the the intimacy or the the coziness, the comfortability with each other on those long car rides. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would just not take a car ride more than 30, 40 minutes like that. Yeah, yeah, I think thirty minutes is a good car ride. Yeah, because if it's an uncomfortable thirty minutes back, you can get through thirty minutes and out. Ooh, no, 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 no. So, right? Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I took a girl out a while back to. Uh, I drove down to Waco to the uh, Magnolia uh, uh, Farms out there, the Chip and Joanna place. Okay, that was a very yeah. good day date, you know, something like that. So, I can uh, see that. Very, uh, very recommended there. So there you have it, uh, Bo. Uh, made it very clear what we learned today, uh, McLovin. What did we learned today, uh, well, uh, according to Bo, do not uh, taxidermy your pets uh, after they've died, and your uh, first date does not need to be a long car ride somewhere. Uh, mm -hmm. Make it simple, and then potentially go there uh, down the road. Now, am I missing anything here, Bo? You know, could you taxidermy a cat and use it as target practice? Ooh, I'm not a, as you can tell, I'm not a cat fan. I'm allergic first off. And okay. secondly, I just don't like cats at all. So, um, yeah, I just, probably not the best thing I've ever come up with, but at least it's something. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Don't tax your, your, your pets. That's, that's creepy. Boy, it's creepy as hell. Uh, and think about it in the bedroom. Let's go back to that. Wait, wait. And you're into the bedroom. 
you know, you look back, you know, you're with your, you're with your significant other, you're in the bed, you're, you know, you're getting after it. You look over and you see the, the dead animal. That's not well thought out. It's not well planned. I I got one up from then. I'll say real quick and then we're, we're going to go. Um, our friend of the show, David Starr, um, he, there is a, I, I won't out the person, the, the couple who it is, but there's a couple I know that's uh, big fans of his. They uh, they live uh, in the condos at Texas Motor Speedway. And they invited him up to their condo uh, a while back, showed him around, and there was a cardboard cutout of David uh, in their bedroom. And the cardboard cutout is adjacent, like across from their bed. And so I remember David saying to me, he's like, wait a second. You mean to tell me every time this couple's getting it on, I'm just sitting there watching them? (laughs) I will tell you a story offline. Not about me, but about someone that we know. And I'm not telling you on here. Uh, Have a good one. David got a little weirded out by that, as you can. I imagine. would too. That would be creepy. Yeah, just a bit. Big fans, clearly. Uh, on that note, we got to get out of here. Uh, big thanks to Luke Slayball for being here. Uh, always a pleasure anytime getting to catch up with uh, Luke. Uh, Sleepy Thomas Bridges as well, and uh, you, the listener. Uh, as always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five star review, or don't leave us one at all. Follow us on uh, social media, Twitter or X, whatever it's called, at Tyler Jones Live, at uh, Thomas underscore Bridges, at Studio underscore Soapbox, Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, and uh, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Jones underscore Report, it's Thomas, you can find us there. Coach Bo, uh, Luke Slayball, Thomas Bridges, our entire crew, Tyler Jones, thanks so long, it's been another edition of Jones Report, we'll see you next week.